everybody, welcome or welcome back to B&B Anime. I am Blue, and today I'm here with the hopefully not-so-sore Brad. Sore? But I'm okay. I, I can't complain, although I'm also more sore for other reasons. <laughs> yeah. So, I have went from contacts Brad back to glasses Brad. Oh, okay. Because you're an eyesore? Well, I <laughs> took a foul ball off my racket directly into my eye. Oh, I love that. And it knocked my contact out. Yeah, that sounds like so much fun. Yeah, so I've gone to glasses for a little bit. I would have already switched back to contacts because my eye is basically back to normal. Except that was my last fucking contact for my right eye. Ah, fun. Are you on monthlies then? I am... Actually, I have the bi-weekly ones. Ooh. So I just ordered in six months worth. So I'm just waiting on those to come in. However, those will not be in until after I'm back from vacation. So I have to spend this entire weekend in Florida in glasses. Well, you're going to make a spectacle of yourself then, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this week we're going to be discussing ReZero, Starting Life in Another World, Season 2, Section 1. <laughs> wait, 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 hold up. We, we can't just dive straight into the episode until we hear how you're doing. No, I know we can't, but I gotta let you guys know what we're discussing in the future because I always forget to do this when I'm first introducing the podcast and then we go into rambles about our daily lives. And then I'm like, we're like an hour into the podcast and I'm like, people don't know what we're discussing today if they haven't seen the title. And sometimes Spotify or whatever it is that you're listening to us on just plays the next episode and then you're just left in a mystery until we eventually bring it up. So I figured that maybe we should start introducing what we're discussing. So what I'm hearing is we just need to do voiceovers for the very start of the episode that's just like, dun-dun, re-zero. <laughs> and then intro. Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> but yeah, how are you? Me, I'm alright. Uh, I finished a giant painting this week, um, which has taken me a couple of weeks. How long, do you think? Two weeks? It's been a couple weeks, yeah. Um, Obviously not just sitting there in front of a canvas painting for two weeks straight. Um, no, I took a lot of breaks um, and uh, and did a lot of other paintings in between. But I just finished that up, which I'm excited about because it is going to be viewed by its possible buyer this weekend. So yeah, I had to get that finished up for Saturday. That's exciting. It is exciting. And it would have. I will already know whether or not it's sold by the time this podcast comes out. So you can't wish me luck because it would have already happened. Look for updates on the official B&B anime Instagram. You're in charge while I'm on vacation. Oh, Lord. Um, so nothing's going to be posted. You're in charge of memes. You're in charge of hashtags. You're in charge of just making our just brand grow. Oh, great. For four days. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, you give me too much responsibility. You have responsibility. <laughs> it's not like you have to edit this episode or anything. I know. Yeah, I know. I have full power this week. Full power. It's going to go to my head, guys. So what I'm hearing is, is this episode, I'm going to be the one that looks like an idiot. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you listen to these episodes after I'm done. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You know how much you hate the sound of your own voice, but you're a voice actor, so you have to listen to the sound of your own voice pretty constantly? Uh-huh. Yeah, that. 
I mean, you act like it doesn't always take me six plus hours of listening to my own voice every time I have to edit one of these. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, who asked to edit the podcast? Okay, so now that I've learned how to edit and I'm good at my job, I need to renegotiate my rates. <laughs> we we can we can switch back to do it every other week if you want. I don't mind. No, no, you've got enough on your plate as it is. I will continue working myself to the absolute nubs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we just have to put that in writing. Um, so you can uh, never hold that against me again. Thanks. You see, I would, this would be the point where I'm like, Bradley, you edit that out. You edit that shit out right now. Yeah. But that's not, that's not on me this no. week. I have, I have your, uh, vocal confirmation of that there, boy. This file's gonna be corrupted in approximately now. <laughs> <laughs> Brad.exe has stopped working. Mm, I, it is pretty late tonight. Um, we normally record fairly early in the evening. Um, but we are recording pretty late tonight, and I have an absolutely giant cup of coffee next to me with an added shot of Italian extra strong espresso inside my coffee. So what about you? How are you doing on the energy front? So it's officially 1217 right now, and I brought nothing in here to drink, nothing in here to snack on, absolutely nothing, because I wanted to make sure my audio was as easy and simple for you to edit as possible. Oh, that's really sweet of you, but you should go hydrate. Well, I downed an entire bottle of water before I came in here, and the only reason I'm saying that is because the only thing I have is my giant iron flask, mm-hmm. and I don't want you to have to sit there and be sifting through my audio and just hear clanging in the background. Clank. But I did rest a good bit before I came in here. I did not nap, because I wanted to re- <laughs> I wanted to rewatch some more of this shit, because it's been an absolute blast to watch the stuff for the episode. And I'm excited. Uh, I have not been so excited to sit down and watch an episode in, or to, like, record one of these. I haven't been this excited on a topic in ages. There, I said it. <laughs> got it out of your <laughs> I system. I finally got what I wanted. It only took me 37 takes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But before we get in... Well, what do you have planned this weekend? Why is it that I am the one editing? Because I was going to say before we get into it, let's discuss the news. But we haven't really been talking for very long. So let's have a bit of a longer chat before we go into the news. Um, so what do you, what fun plans do you have this weekend? Why are you leaving me all on my lonesome? I am going to Florida for one of my best friends. He is getting married at the end of the month, which means you'll also be editing that episode. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Is what kind of is he having a Halloween wedding? I don't think so. I don't feel like his fiance would go for that. You know what's even more disappointing? What? Sarah's also not going to go for letting me wear my Vegeta tie clip to the wedding. <gasps> Rude. I have been because here's the thing. All right, I am a very civilized gentleman. I like to dress up and look huh. nice. However, one condition of looking nice, especially whenever you are a taller person like i am and you wear ties most ties aren't built for tall people they are a one size fits all scenario Mm -hmm. and so whenever you are taller and you have a longer torso whenever you wear a tie the tongue that you're supposed to be able to tuck in a little loop like strap loop thing in the back Mm -hmm. 
it doesn't reach. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you need a tie clip to be able to hold that little bastard in place. Otherwise, it's going to be trying to, you know, just peek out. Hit you in the face all the time. Yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and so the fact that I'm being deprived of this makes me upset. My brother has a really tiny tie because it's from his school uniform from when he was 11. And it makes me laugh every time I see it. It's so small. <laughs> That's amazing. It's not like small enough to be like a baby tie, you know, but it because it's an 11 year old's tie as part of a school uniform, but it is definitely a small tie. So what I'm hearing is, is that good for you because you are a tiny bean. <laughs> I'm still really tall. If I wore a tie, I'd have to wear at least a regular size tie. Mm, debatable with you being five foot four. <laughs> Plus five and a half inches. No. If you keep saying this to yourself, you're going to start believing it. And then we're going to end up hanging out in person and uh, you're going to be thoroughly, thoroughly confused for a while. You you do realize that it's going to be even worse whenever we do hang out in person, right? I'll wear heels. Even if you wear heels, <laughs> I'm the tallest person in our circle of friends. That's true. I'll call my cousin Pete. He's six seven. I'll be like, hey, Pete, come hang out with me. And then I will challenge him to tennis, and then I'll be okay. Because I must assert my dominance in other ways, if I'm not the tallest. I have no clue if Pete plays tennis, but I do know that he was a security guard at one point. Hey, so was I. So, looky there. There you go. You have bonding. You can bond over security in different countries. Yes. Oh, you want to hear something really stupid? Yes. That aggravates me and it's it's annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, so police chief or whatever, some high up dude of the Kentish Police Department in the United Kingdom, Kent is the county of which I was born, has just received a warning um, because his final notice, a final warning, because he, uh, one of his um, secretaries or something, I'm not sure, a receptionist, somebody who was working for him, was making mm-hmm. tea. And whilst she was making tea, he called her a, well, one party says a naughty girl, the other party says a cheeky girl, and um, one party says smacked her on the ass, and another party says um, tripped and flung his arm out and accidentally hit her on the bum. And um, yeah, he got a final warning for that, despite the fact that that is clear sexual harassment, which is very illegal, and he's the police, the head of the police department. But what? Yeah. Uh huh. How is that a warning? That should be straight fired press charges. They there is no way they didn't have a security camera in that office as well. Right. There is no way. Like the only reason I don't even know. Mm-hmm. My my brain it's just it's it's broken over that. The fuck. Yeah, mine too. My dad just told me that. My parents were talking about it when I went up to go and get my giant cup of coffee. And um, my dad was talking about it and he was like, he was like, yeah. And, and then uh, and then afterwards he uh, accidentally um, uh, slipped and cheated on his wife. And after that, he was walking down the street and he was wolf whistling, but not at the girl. Um, he was wolf whistling at the dog that just so happened to be right there. Um, and after that, uh, you know, he absolutely did not cheat on any of his exams. Um, he just so happened to have a photographic memory, and caught a glimpse of his neighbor's test sheet. <laughs> so, you want to hear a cheating story about me? Okay. I cheated on all of my periodic table exams in chemistry. How'd you do that? So, I was in, I had it for fourth period, mm-hmm. and my buddy 
that was in my what year did I take chemistry? Was that sophomore year? Yeah. So my buddy that I had geometry with in second period had same teacher for first period and the test did not change. So he took a picture of the answers, sent it to me. I had it on my phone. I filled in all the answers. Your boy made a hundred. Nice. Every week. We don't condone cheating, kids. No, 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 no. Cheat, cheat bad. Cheat real bad. But if you get away with it, then like. But do good on tests, good. So do do good. Do good. <laughs> Just don't take it to university level, okay? No, no, no. Yeah, if you get you get the consequences are far more severe. While school free, do good. In university, work hard. Because school not free. Yeah, if you pay for the test, don't cheat. If you don't pay for the test, then also totally don't cheat. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, no, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> we do not condone cheating. No, cheat bad. Mm-hmm. I did it in school too, though. But work hard and do good. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, the only two book reports I've ever done... Um, that are like personal book reports as opposed to books that are like given out to the class, you know, didn't read either book. So I was a fan of taking my papers that I got F's on and turning them into A's. What, by adding the line? Yes. Yeah. Um, Me big brain, mm -hmm. me big smart. Yeah, no, um, none of my tests, (laughs) none of my tests had like letter grades. They didn't do letter grades in my, um, school district so we just had Uh uh, percentages out of 100 so every now and again we used to get report cards that were like just a piece of paper every i think it was like every like quarter as opposed to every Mm -hmm. semester and then we used to get like a proper report card that you have to get signed and brought back um Mm -hmm. at the end of every semester those those quarterly uh report cards they didn't exist in my household um my brother didn't ever bring them home, and so I just continued the tradition. Like, hey, did you guys get your grades? What grades? Yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> My parents didn't, I don't think they ever knew. I don't. I still don't think to this day they have ever known about the fact that we got quarterly report cards. Or they knew, they just figured if you did bad, you would tell them. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> no, they didn't know. <laughs> they, they had no clue. <laughs> But yeah, like, I've always done really well in the arts department and really not so well in the sciences after I got to, like, late middle school, you know? So my parents were like, so long as I was doing well in the art department, so my parents didn't really care about the others being honest. Like, they were just like, yeah, you, you're doing well in your element, so. So for both of us, who basically could give two shits about science, why are we both massive fans of Dr. Stone? Because it's science for dumb nuts. You're right. <laughs> But then again, anything put in anime form just makes it better. Honestly, I just think that science in school is not the way that they need to teach it to people with um, creative brains. I think people who are naturally academic-minded do well in school. People that learn that way do well in school, and that's great. My brother is one of those people. He excels in sitting down, reading a book, hearing a lecture, like that kind of thing. Absolutely, that is his element. That's how he learns. I do not learn that way. You do not learn that way. So when you're given something like science that has so many small elements that all add up to make one big element, no pun intended, and then they teach it to you in that way, if you forget one thing, it domino affects the whole chain of events and you 
Like, you have to understand it from the very foundation all the way through, unlike literature or even history, where if you get, like, the main gist of it, you're still kind of good. With science, you have to really understand it all the way through, and it's very difficult to do that with the with the way that the school system is set up, With if you're creative-minded, I feel like. All I wanted out of science class was to mix chemicals together and make them go boom. Same. I never got this. I really like dissecting stuff as well. Biology was fun. See, I couldn't stand dissecting stuff mm -hmm. because the smell of the shit that we always had to dissect was just absolutely... Ugh. Like, I can still smell it now that the memories have been brought back and I just want to vomit. The cow heart smelled the worst. I think the frog that we did... Smelled the absolute worst. I grew up next to a creek, so gross frog smell is kind of ingrained in my brain. And iodine, I I don't really mind the smell of either, so... Well, I hung out with Walker whenever he worked at the wastewater treatment plant. Mm -hmm. I would much rather hang out at the wastewater treatment plant than dissect another fucking frog. Yeah, I can see that. Just hard pass. 100% hard pass. I'd dissect a frog. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed poking things with a sharp blade, except it wasn't a sharp blade because do they ever give you a sharp scalpel? And then the thing the thing that I don't understand about that is they give you a dull scalpel, I assume, because either A, the equipment is ridiculously old and they just don't replace it and don't know what a sharpener is, so they don't, like, sharpen it. Um, or B, they give you a, a more blunt scalpel so that you can't hurt yourself. The thing about that second one is that's so much more dangerous because then you have to force it through and you're more likely to hurt yourself than if they gave you a sharp blade and you could just cut it. Yeah, because rule number one of being a cook, dull blade in a kitchen does not end well. No. That's how you end up losing a finger mm. or some stupid shit. Yeah. The sharper the knife, the better off you are. I sharpen my knife every single time I cook. I always sharpen before and after. Mm. And that's something that I've worked my ass off to try to ingrain in Walker and Bree. They still refuse to listen, but every time I'm over there and I cook, I at least make sure to remind them, hey, look, I'm sharpening before. Oh, hey, look, I'm sharpening now that they're clean. Mm -hmm. Oh, another thing that bugs me is when, even if it's like stainless steel or whatever, whatever your blade is, people put wet knives in the knife block. Oh, God, no. Why'd you do that? No, dry up your knife. Ah, you're going to warp the blade and your knife block. Not only that, but if you put something wet down in there and it just sits, it's going to grow bacteria. Eh, moldy. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that. That's, that's disgusting. So gross. Oh my god. Oh my god, ew. that's like so gross. Why Why would you do that? Like, like why oh would god. you even? That is so gross. Look, I'm not paying an appearance fee for Becky. <laughs> that's okay, I've already gotten her a, a giant cup of coffee. Okay, I was going to say, the podcast bank account can't afford that. No. No, it most definitely can't. I could go for coffee. I'll be getting coffee in about six and a half hours. Yeah, I was going to say, you've got to be up early. I probably won't go to sleep. I would if I were you, but that's just because I can't survive not sleeping. I have actually slept extremely little over these past few days because of how bad my feet have just been fucking killing me. Mm, yeah. Have you thought about that, um, what is it, CBD cream? I have not. Yeah, it's supposed to be really good for joint and muscle pain and stuff. I know Philip DeFranco on YouTube advertises it every now and again. I have gotten new insoles for my shoes and they definitely seem to be helping. Mm -hmm. However, I have not been able to actually take a break to be able to fully just use them and also just to let my feet heal. And rest, yeah. And so I 
had fully intended on while we're in Florida this weekend to play tennis and have a good time, but instead, I think I'm going to sit at the condo and have a good time, and if anybody wants to call me a couch potato, let them, because I fully intend on using this vacation as a vacation. You should go with your boys and go get a pedicure. They have, like, man spas now. Like, you don't have to go into, like, a really feminine one where there are, like, little old ladies getting their hair blue rinsed, you know? You can go and, uh... Go find a, a man spa and go get a pedicure with your boys. I don't want anything touching my feet right now, though. Like, that's how bad they hurt. If you go to a good place, then they'll ha- they'll deal with people that have, like, arthritis in their feet that have had really bad um, ankle and foot injuries. Uh, a lot of a lot of those pedicurists, the, the cosmetologists there, have, like, they study that kind of stuff in school as well. So they can take it really easy for you. And even just, you could even just go there and just use the hot bath soak. Um, and then they can just trim up your nails and stuff and uh, and take it real easy on your feet. I wonder if the condo we're staying at has a bathtub that will actually fit me. Maybe. God, I hope so. But either way, I fully intend on just using this as a chance to just rest and try to let my feet heal while also using a frozen water bottle to roll my feet around on. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. And hopefully just kind of get the just the tendons and everything to relax because it feels like they're just constantly cramping. Mm. And whenever I step, it feels like the bones are just crunching. Ew, so gross. Uh, <laughs> I do recommend that you go <laughs> go for a pedicure with your boys, though. It's, it's a thing that blokes, especially, like, men that um, are on their feet a lot. I know girls, the reason why I'm saying specifically men is because women tend to be more... Um, in general, open towards that kind of stuff because it is targeted and marketed towards women. So even if they work in like a industrial kind of environment, they tend to like go to do those kinds of things anyway, or at least have considered those options. But I know a lot of guys just, it doesn't even occur to them. Um, so I do, to, to my guys listening out there, if you work as a carpenter or a, an electrician or, uh, I don't know, some kind of hard labor job where you're using your hands and you're on your feet for a long period of time, I highly recommend you go look into some man spas around if you don't feel comfortable going into a regular spa and look into getting a manicure and a pedicure. You don't have to get painted nails if you don't want painted nails. You don't have to, you know, get all of the the bells and whistles, but they can give you a really nice massage. They can really help all of your joints. They can uh, get rid of some of those nasty, like, bunions and calluses and gross stuff that you have on your hands and feet. And uh, and they can really, like, shape up your nails as well, stop you getting all those hangnails that can rip and be really not fun and, and prevent you getting infections, things like that. Stop you from breaking your nails as well if they break really far down and end up bleeding. Um, because they can oil them, make them stronger. I highly, highly recommend doing it. It's a thing that I think a lot of men should should treat yourself for. Go out there, find a man spa, treat yourself. 100% what she said. Mm -hmm. But as of right now, all I've spent too much money on trying to get myself fixed as it is. Mm. So I need to hold off on that for a little bit. You should do it in November or um, December. They'll probably have like a Christmas special going on. Just whenever people ask me what I want for Christmas, Mm -hmm. be like... I want to get my feet massaged. I want to go get a pedicure. Go get a mani-pedi. But I swear to all that is holy that if this isn't fixed by Thanksgiving or Christmas, I'm going to set the world on fire. (laughs) Go see a proper physiotherapist, a chiropractor the whole nine. Go for the whole nine yards. What would you say in... in, um, But fire. In America, you'd say a home run. Right? I hate enough of those whenever I play tennis, though. I don't don't (laughs) need that in any other aspects of my life. Speaking of, I have actually figured out just how useful a good tennis racket is, Mm -hmm. because 
My goodness, I just bought a couple of really good rackets for 200 bucks, mm -hmm. and they are exceptionally heavier than what I'm used to using. Like, it's double the weight, so it's a damn arm workout to go out there and hit. Mm -hmm. But it's a world of difference. It's nice that you, you're getting to, like, branch out there and try new equipment, and you're feeling comfortable doing that because you're at a level now where you're not just, like, stumbling over your own feet, but you're, like, able to actually test things and know that, be able to feel the difference. Well, I mean, it's... It's like with anything, the more money you spend on something, it's definitely going to be better most of the time. Mm -hmm. So as is the case with tennis rackets, a $100 racket is going to be a lot better than a $20 racket. And in this case, a $240 racket is going to be a lot better than the $80 racket that I have. Mm -hmm. But also, it's just learning what works best for you as well exactly 100% I 100% agree with that I find that that's the same way with um, snowboards because there's a lot of different things that goes into snowboards and tennis rackets I would assume as well that people don't even consider when they don't know the sport um, for instance the shape of your snowboard has an absolutely huge impact on the way that you ride and your style of, of boarding I have uh, a snowboard how do I describe this it's like a W I guess on the toe side edge um, so it's got like a, yeah, a very slight curve to it that makes like a W shape. And that gives me really good grip right where my toes are. Um, and then at the very end where it bites into the snow, mm -hmm. but then it's softer in the middle. So it gives me more flex. And, um, I have a very flexy board as well. I really like having some, some good flex to the board as opposed to having a stiffer board. My board is also two directional. It can be switch, um, as opposed to a lot of people that have boards that only go in one direction. So you can't snowboard with your like goofy foot with your you can't go switch mm -hmm. and uh and my board is also a lot shorter than it should be for my height so it fits my weight um and i assume mm -hmm. it's the same with you for for tennis now that you're finding that i assume you like the heavier racket and you're also learning uh, do they have like string <laughs> like like flexibility of the strings or like the space between them that determines things i don't really know i know that the length of the stem i don't know what's it called like the base of the racket can vary quite differently the handle of the racket doesn't necessarily have that much effect on it itself other than Reach. you know just your own personal preference mm -hmm. however the weight of the handle can have a lot of effect on it mm -hmm. but so does the string pattern that you use on your racket the head size and even the quality of string mm -hmm. because the racket that i have prior my 80 dollar racket whenever i got it just had some cheap basic string on it but whenever i got it restrung with some 35 dollar string it immediately made a world of difference but then again so did going up two grip sizes and having my grip completely redone to fit my hand better mm -hmm. because i just initially thought that uh the four and three eighths inch grip was good enough for my hand because that's what everybody else used but turns out i have big meaty hands <laughs> that kind of require a bigger handle and it did like it just made a world of difference but so did increasing string and now that i know that 330 grams for the weight of a racket just makes a massive amount of difference nice it's nice that you're able to to like tell that difference and like really understand what is is working for you it definitely is however one thing i will say it doesn't help that in the brand that i got 
because it's Yonix. It's a Japanese-made brand. Mm -hmm. The one thing about it that I've noticed is that the rackets I bought are the most difficult to learn. Fun. Because it's a really small head size that's milk or that's built for advanced players mm -hmm. like you have to be able to spin it and power it entirely on your own whereas it's built more for control which is more or less what i need but also it's really easy to overhit that thing like i launched one the other day mm -hmm. Now, it's not the one that I launched the tennis ball into my eye with. That was my $80 racket, but, you know, that's, that's a different story that I don't want to have to relive. Oh, my God. I've had some, I've had some fun wipeouts on the board as well, so I, I feel like anybody who's ever done a sport has got some stories about injuries. Oh, yeah. Lots, lots of stories. Mm -hmm. But outside of all this sports talk, news? News! What do you got for me? So, Rent-A-Girlfriend Season 2 has officially been confirmed. Ah, oh, okay. Um, how do you feel about that, considering you were not such a fan watching it week to week? I feel like the people that did watch it week to week, most of them really enjoyed it. Okay, so you're the kind of the exception to the rule? Yeah, I definitely am, and I think it's more or less just because of the cringe. The people who really enjoy that type of show really enjoy it. It's just, it was too cringe for me. Mm-hmm. But you're also talking to someone who watched the first episode of Prison School and was like, fuck that, not again, anymore. Uh, no, fuck it. Burn it. Bail. Burn it with fire. Yeah. But it is exciting to know that it is definitely getting a second season and to have it confirmed right after the first season ended. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an early confirmation. Do you think that you will revisit it in the future, maybe when the second season comes out? Or do you think it's a no-go for you from now on? Now that it's completely out, I'm going to try to finish it. I think I'm on episode eight and there's 12 episodes, so why not? I'm this invested question mark <laughs> into it, so I might as well just go ahead, suck it up and finish it. Do you find manga cringe less cringe than anime cringe? Because I do. So if something's too cringe in anime, I will then go and read the manga and see if I can get through it in the manga. And then if the story gets better, then I'll watch the anime. Uh, but if not, then I'm, yeah, then I, I bail. See, I've never really run into any just real cringe in manga. Mm -hmm. So I can't really say. Mm -hmm. But anime cringe is definitely the worst cringe out of any medium that I've at least experienced to this date. Uh, yeah, I find, yeah, live action films can get real cringe, but anime cringe can get, I don't know if I consider it more cringe, just different type of cringe, because of the fact that they can go so, like, bizarre with it, because, of course, it's animation, you can do anything you want with animation, um, whereas a real life, you kind of are limited to cgi and levels of what you could do with that <laughs> who wants to use cgi on cringe honestly though i feel like i would watch more live action stuff if they actually cgi'd stuff like that better because <laughs> could you imagine more over the top stuff just because they decided to add it a little extra cgi that's really funny just like you're watching like i don't know some kind of romance movie like the notebook or whatever and they just like they get into the cringe part they just add in cgi to just be like we're gonna make this extra cringe so imagine like tom and jerry and like old cartoon style mm -hmm. animation of a cute girl walks by and the heart like just beats out of the chest <laughs> imagine actually cgi in that in <laughs> that would be scary that wouldn't be cringe i think there's a reason why they haven't done that because i think that would actually like that's a good horror movie yes but it would be like a cabin in the woods type of horror film. It's like, it's a horror film, 
but it's not a horror film. Yeah, yeah. And on that note, I think A Cabin in the Woods is probably the most brilliant horror film of all time. Because mm-hmm. it's it's such an awesome premise. Have you ever seen it? I've seen bits and pieces of it. I highly recommend it because it starts out as the most tropey, stereotypical horror film. And then it just completely turns itself on its head. And it's oh, it's so good. It's just pure brilliance from start to finish. And uh, actually, speaking of horror films, this is the first episode of our month of horror for October for Halloween. And uh, yeah, so, so would you say that is your favorite horror film of all time? Yes, yeah. hands down. Nice. Mine, mine's still The Birds, Alfred, Hitch- Alfred Hitchcock. I actually think it was the first ever horror movie I watched. Um, and it's still one of my favorites. For some reason you said that, and then all the, the first thing that just popped in my head was, fuck these birds. <laughs> Look at all those chickens. I, I don't understand why. That was just immediately the first thought that just popped into my head. Was, fuck these birds. Oh, okay. Most infuriating horror film I've ever watched is The Cube. The ending to that film. I'm not going to say it because in case anybody wants to watch it. All right, they have it on their horror movie list. But I will say the ending to that film is the most infuriating ending of any film I think I've I've watched uh, at all, regardless of genre. of uh, Probably anything. Any book, any film, any kind of media that I've ever absorbed. That ending is the most infuriating. So, worst horror film I've ever watched. Live action Death Note. I haven't seen it. I, 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 it came out and I just noped it. Don't. Because we made it a thing to where we all went out to the wastewater plant to watch it with walker and just know oh it's so bad it's so bad just it's gross yeah i i've made it a thing to just not watch it so speaking of live actions i watched the ending like final concert of your line april mm-hmm. for where's that going with that anyway final concert of your line april with the live action version mm-hmm. garbage is it absolute garbage oh like it just it does not live up to anything that the anime had to offer that's sad anyway we went so off topic what else do we have for the news so there is you know a kickstarter is right i do well anime is getting its own version oh okay anime fund a new company based in the chiba prefecture for crowdfunding anime productions officially revealed its company details and its website on wednesday fun that's exciting i want to see what they what what people start requesting and what people what starts happening with that i'm definitely excited to see what comes out of it Mm. because apparently it's gonna like it's gonna go towards supporting promotional material videos message alerts etc but it's gonna allow people to get in like credits keyframes get merchandise stuff like that and i feel like that's gonna be a very valuable asset to collectors and just allow people to support some of their favorite projects like yeah i don't know let me crowdfund your line april just i don't care that it's done let me yeah well no because that's that's I know a lot of studios that have wanted to do a second season on a lot of projects but haven't because of funding and uh, or they or like you have an anime that you absolutely adore but they don't have the uh, amount of money needed to invest in a line of merch or 
or like more merch, you know, they can do like t-shirts and hoodies, but they can't do like a full range of like phone cases and, you know, mugs and all pencil cases and like all of the extra stuff that you might want because you might not be a t-shirt or a hoodie kind of person. Or you might have 50 different hoodies and it's like, okay, I need something different. Yeah, so no, that's exciting. I'm excited to see both what people um, request of the company and also like fans request i'm also excited to see what studios um get involved and what projects they either try to revive or start up um and i'm curious to see if we're gonna eventually down the line maybe see new studios pop up because it's just a couple of guys in their basement um getting up to no good they start they get into trouble in their neighborhood and uh, and you know they're just a couple of guys in their studio that have a favorite manga and they get in contact with the author and they're like hey we're gonna start a crowdfunding thing you want to jump in and maybe we'll see some really like obscure manga get kind of indie animes made out of them it and then maybe even new studios could develop it's exciting it is definitely exciting oh so mm-hmm you know what this could potentially mean, right? What? Fuka reboot. Mm. I would pay for that. Yeah. Mainly because uh, the show. <laughs> yeah, I would be curious to see them do it on the same lens as the uh, the manga. Definitely, without a doubt. Because have you read any more? Uh, I have read some more. I haven't finished it yet. Life kind of got in the way. Well, uh, I was about to make a cupboard joke. But you, since you have read a little bit more, I uh, don't have to make it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no, I have read some more. I haven't finished it yet. It's really good, and I would be curious about it. There's another one that we were discussed where the, the manga was very different. Um, oh, Darling in the Frogs. We were discussing how apparently the manga is like incredibly different because it was written after the fact. Oh, we just don't know if it is, though. Well, if it is, I would be curious. If you have read the manga for Darling in the Frogs, please let us know. <gasps> you know what else this could mean? What? Kids on the Slope Season 2. It could mean a Kids on the Slope Season 2. I'm not sure that I would want it, though. Yeah, well, you were the one who was actually satisfied with how it ended. <laughs> I was the one who was just like, burn it! Burn it with fire! Yeah, no, Give I... me more, so maybe I might like it more. I have a big thing, though, for being left unsatisfied. I think that's like a, you know, leads them wanting more kind of thing. So I was fine with the ending of, of Kids on the Slope. Mm. It could mean more Prince of Tennis. No, I'm just kidding. We don't need any more Prince of Tennis. <laughs> Mate, it's still going. It is, with the new Prince of Tennis. Speaking of more. More? The quintessential quintuplets had its second season revealed, but also it's going to premiere in January. Oh, another one for the new year. Mm-hmm. January just keeps growing. Yeah. Because not only are we getting that, but also ReZero has officially been confirmed for January as well. Right, so ReZero Season 2 Part 2. Will be coming in April. Right. Uh, not April. I'm not ready to rewatch your line April already. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I think we kind of expected it, though, uh, back in April. <laughs> um, April, May time, when uh, COVID started happening and everything started getting postponed. We did mention how we thought that there was going to be a big like surplus of all of the animes that were going to come out or were going to come out in the summer. But because everything got postponed to the summer, they would get pushed. So I feel like this is just like the catch-up time, you know? Well, I figured with season two supposed to have been coming out in spring mm. that it was going to do what it did, take a mid-season break, 
and then come back the following season. Mm. So what should be happening had COVID not happened is we would be getting the rest of season two starting next week. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense for it to pick right back up in January with the mid-season finale because why not let the fall have its time, get all the anime that are supposed to come out that haven't been delayed, Mm -hmm. and then just start it back up. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely excited to just for winter in general it's going to be a phenomenal time for all around it's going to be a great time for anime yeah i'm excited i have to say i really appreciate that winter is the time when um the vast majority of like anime and stuff comes out at because i mean it's like minus 30 here during that time (laughs) celsius i um uh, I'm glad that I can uh, stay inside and have something to do. Except you don't watch stuff week to week. I'm most likely to watch stuff week to week during the winter. Mm. I only get like four months of summer, so <laughs> I go outside when it is summertime. So here's a question. After watching this first half of the season, would you be willing to watch this week to week like you're planning on doing Dr. Stone whenever it comes back out? Honestly, I'm contemplating it. I did find that the first couple episodes of this season I found pretty slow to get into, mm-hmm. but that may have just been my mindset when I when I jumped into it. Yeah, I found that yeah, I found the season a little bit slow to get into, but once I picked up, it picked up. And I think if because of, uh, yeah, because of, I'm going to blame it on the ADHD again. Uh, because of that, I do feel like if the second half of this doesn't pick right back up on the same pace, um, I probably will drop it and then wait and watch it all at once. But if it picks right back up on the same energy, then I'll probably watch it week to week. Well, I feel like your perception of it might have been a little bit warped as well, considering you had to listen to me just talk about it nonstop for 12 <laughs> straight weeks. That is also true. It could have been me building up your expectations, but really it was having to go back from the expectations built 12 weeks ago, not what I've talked about for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I uh, I think that that may have been a part of it. I also feel like there was just a lot of information that had to happen at the beginning of this um, season. Just, yeah, to set up for everything. Because the way that it left off, there were so many questions unanswered. And uh, they had to answer a good portion of those questions before they could really get into the, to the meat and bones of this season. And so there was just a lot of information that had to be presented to the audience in the first few episodes. Um, and a lot of scene setting that needed to happen and re-establishment of the rules, because the rules kind of changed in the world at the beginning of, yeah, the beginning of this season. Well, at the end of last season, sort of. And they further change throughout this season as well. So yeah, there was just a lot of establishment that needed to happen. And I feel like because of that, it doesn't, it's not action-packed in the beginning. I beg to differ. It went straight for a fucking gut punch right off the bat. Mm, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking, yeah, but I mean, maybe I'm just desensitized. It's not as action-packed as it get towards the end, by any means, don't get me wrong. But they, they went straight for the feels, just right out of the gate. Yeah, I mean... But that would, that didn't happen until... Did that happen in the first episode? That was the first episode. Oh, it was the first episode. I cried my eyes out during the first episode. I was, I think I'm kind of desensitized to it, though. We can no longer be friends. We can, we can no longer be friends. Yeah, no, I didn't cry this season. Yeah, podcast over. Podcast I'm going over. to bed. Yeah. I know. This is not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> These are not the answers I wanted to get. I am going the fuck to bed. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm desensitized to it. Go on. Uh, I, well, I mean, I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. 
I thought it was fun. Uh, fun is not the best word to use in this crime. <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong word. word. Anyway, continue. Um, it was very entertaining, but I will, yeah, I did feel like it was kind of slow to start with. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm out of news, so, so shall we get straight into our topic since we're already just diving into yeah, it? Yeah, I guess we will. Um, so I'm going to throw up a couple spoilers here. First one being, uh, this is the second season that we're discussing. We have already discussed the first season. So if you have no idea what we're talking about, um, I recommend that you watch ReZero um, and then head on over to our first episode um, of ReZero, which is in our archives. You can find that on our website or on our YouTube channel or on any listening platform that you have previously where you listen to us. Um, uh, because yeah, it's episodes three and four. Episode three and if four. If that makes it easier, mm-hmm. so you can listen to us be newbies at podcasting and really embarrass ourselves. And um, and then my second spoiler for this is that it's not only the second season, but it is all episodes of the second season and the last episode, uh, well, of second season core first core. The last episode came out only this week, so if you have um, not checked out Crunchyroll this week, if you have not had a chance to watch the 12th episode. 13th episode. Mm -hmm. We will be discussing the whole thing, so we don't want to spoil the final episode for you. Uh, Make sure that you've watched the entire season all the way through, because um, that is what we're going to be discussing discussing today. Okay, yeah, so that's all, all of the spoilers. Hats. All the spoiler hats are on. We've already done the background information as well on this, um, but has anything changed? Do you know if anything has changed between, like, directors or anything from the first season to the second season? Not that I'm aware. Same director, same studio. Now, the biggest difference is, is that starting with episode four, they had officially been working on the anime from home. Oh, okay. So it was around episode four that everyone was doing everything from home, which is surprising because there was not a dip in quality at any point during this. No, episode four is when they first put the OP in as well, right? I think it was episode three or four. I can't remember. Okay. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's episode four. So let four. me get this bitch out of the way up front. Okay. That was a phenomenal OP and it did not get used anywhere near no i think it was used like three times throughout the entire season and that makes me so mad because it's so good and it's so beautifully animated and the story that it tells is so good yeah and i'm so disappointed i got you so little i actually will admit i i for one enjoyed this op (gasps) i'm shocked right and appalled (laughs) no i thought it was good i liked it And I feel like the ED on this one didn't get nearly enough love with the online community as well. I thought it was definitely a good ED. Not anywhere near as good as the OP by any means, but it was good. Yeah, it was good. uh, Yeah, it was fine. It was much more kind of somber, and I felt like it needed to be. Mm, Agreed. And then there are some episodes, I can't remember which one it was, but there's definitely one where it basically ended with like a funeral death march tone. Mm. Where at that point it's just like fuck. Yeah, they really used the OPs and EDs um, sparingly throughout this, but I feel like it's just because the episodes went really long. For a lot of episodes, most animes tend to have like around the twenty-three minute mark, as opposed to around the twenty-eight minute mark that a lot of these episodes were. These are pretty much a full half hour, as opposed to the closer to the twenty minutes. And that's without an OP or ED. And especially the ED itself, because the ED would play as background music for the end of episodes instead of actually getting a true ED mm-hmm. most of the time. Because it this season really was just cramming in a ton of new information. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because like you said, in the, the vast majority of these episodes, I think they use the OP and ED at the, like three times, um, like by themselves. Mm. And, uh, and all of the other episodes either didn't have them at all, or they had them as background music and there was dialogue and action happening in the foreground. Mm. And so because of that, those 28 minutes are 28 minutes of, you know, full content as opposed to 23 minutes where those three minutes are op and ed and then there's only 20 minutes of content and i've seen it all the way through twice mm-hmm. at this point and it's going to be three times here by the time i think six or seven weeks out from now because i'm watching it through dubbed mm-hmm. as well week to week mm-hmm. but let me just say watching it through the second time from beginning to end the episodes felt shorter to me this time than they did watching it through the first time through. I, yeah, I feel like the episodes were pretty short. I, rem- like, I tend to take notes in segments while I'm watching things, so I'll watch, like, a chunk, especially if I'm only planning on watching something through once, as opposed to if I give myself enough time to watch something through twice before I take notes. I tend to watch, like, a chunk of the episode, take notes on that chunk, watch another chunk, take notes, watch another chunk, because otherwise I lose the details of the beginning half of the episode and focus primarily on the details of the the latter half, and then Mm -hmm. things kind of get skewed. But I did find that the chunks that I was taking my notes in um, throughout watching this were pretty much exactly in the middle of the episode every single time, because so much of these episodes were people talking, having one conversation or one scene that would take mm-hmm. 50% of the episode to get through. And because it was just like one conversation or one scene, one moment, it wouldn't feel like it was, you know, 15 minutes worth of whatever was happening because it was like one conversation. So in your mind, it's like, oh yeah, that was only a few minutes. And then you pause and you look mm-hmm. at the bar and you're like, oh shit, that was half of the episode. <laughs> and it's weird because it was this entire core was just a core of growth yes and it was like you and i talked about i think it took the place in the span of maybe a week if we push it two days at the mansion i didn't that doesn't count any any time that he took recovering when they were like on their way back to the capital with the white whale so it's corpse there on the way back let's say that's a day another day resting there with um uh, getting back but then at the the mansion they had two days rest before they then went to the sanctuary and then what happens at the sanctuary maybe takes three days max so i'm saying six days i think days. there was no more than five because i think he made a comment in one of the later episodes where it was day five mm-hmm. whenever a manor incident happened mm-hmm. so no more than eight days yeah scattered across all of it yeah that's wild, because it's worse than the first season. Yeah, and those two days where they were resting before they went to the sanctuary, you don't see a thing of those. Frederica says, uh, you can't go to the sanctuary for two days because you need to rest or something. I don't know. And mm-hmm. then, and the fact that um, Felix was like, uh, said to Subaru, you have to rest your abilities for two months at the very beginning when he sent her, her, him off. Felix was like, yeah, you need to rest your abilities for two months Subaru's like I can do that no you can't well the one time he used it like it almost broke him so it's like we get why Felix was like hey you need to rest but no he 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 did not rest rest. Uh, he paid the price 
But yeah, I suppose we'll just like, jump into episode by episode and start talking our way through it. So we start off with episode 26, Each One's Promise. We're picking right back up where we left off with the fleet heading home with the body of the white whale on the back. Uh, Subaru is attempting to tell Amelia about Rem's feelings for him, but she has no memory of who that is. Someone attacks the fleet and it's later revealed that that is greed and gluttony. And gluttony has taken all of Rem's memories and her name and also kill, uh, killing Krush? I can never say her name. Miss Crochet? Subaru then kills himself in grief so as to try and bring Rem back from the sleep that she's in. But uh, no matter how many times he goes back, this is just what he says. I found this very interesting that we never actually got to see him try multiple times, but he says in his internal dialogue, no matter how many times I try, I can't change the fact that she is sleeping and she's had her memories and name taken. So that is very intriguing to me because they're now establishing that they are show- that they're just not showing us attempts, whereas before they would show us in kind of like montages. Now they're just mm-hmm. telling us that he has had multiple attempts. Um, but they're not showing us anymore because I assume because it's repetitive. And so mm, Well, not only that, but it's the first episode in the game has immediately changed. Yes. And uh yeah, so he can't bring her back no matter what, but he did manage to save Green Hair Girl. Can't say her name, so I'm just gonna call her Green Hair Girl. Miss Crochet? Yeah, thanks. Brad's gonna fill it every single time. Uh- <laughs> Although we won't talk about her after the second no, episode. Yeah. However, she actually lost her memories. Um, and has had a, a pretty much 180 personality change uh, because of the fact that she has no idea who she is and looks very weird with her hair down. She looks weird with her hair down. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't like that. That like messed with my brain. <laughs> yeah, for some reason my brain just couldn't take her seriously because she had her hair down. I, that's so stupid, but it's like anime people don't change their hair ever. So stop it. Hey, that's called character development in anime. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, Subaru cries for Rem and promises to help her with the comfort of Amelia. And that is episode uh, one or episode 26. That's cry count number one cry count for number me one. this season. Because just like, just seeing him break down yeah. and cry and it, like the way Amelia comforts him and everything. I was just like, eh. Rem. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely, one of my favorite things about this um, anime as a whole is the consistency of mental trauma. Um, that sounds so bad. One of my favorite things is when people get traumatized. <laughs> no, I just really like how um, they've established that their main character is going through seriously like PTSD causing stuff many times over. Like it's it consistently, and he can't talk about it with anyone. Um, so it's like a hidden secret that he's been going through this whole time and it's causing him mental trauma and that, and you get to see that that mental trauma progresses and progresses and progresses as he goes and it's character development in a negative way, which you don't often see in, in any kind of media, to be honest, not just in anime, you don't often see negative character development of a hero. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Oh yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. It's very refreshing to be able to see it. Mm. But also, it's definitely refreshing to see it done right. Yes, and horrifying. Yeah, like this show is a terrifyingly, or terrifying breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. It's an ugly show. It's not It's not pretty. And I appreciate that. No, and especially a scene that we'll talk about, 
I think it's episode 36, mm-hmm. that very end scene, whenever he's in Amelia's lap, mm. Mm. like they, they went ham yeah. on the animation. This season, even though a lot of it was done from home, definitely got an animation budget increase over the first season. I feel like it too. I feel I actually really appreciate how even like there's a couple of moments where um there is really beautiful ethereal animation, specifically one where um Subaru comments that Amelia looks like a fairy. Mm-hmm. And there's like moments like that throughout it where you get to see these really ethereal beautiful moments of anime and uh, moments of animation but those moments are so few and far between compared to the grotesque mm-hmm. disfigured not just like the gore but also just like crying face with like snot coming out of the nose and and forehead creased and like people that are supposed to be like pretty in our, in our heads there are heroes there are you know main characters People that we're supposed to love and appreciate and adore. And we're seeing these raw, ugly, graphic sides of them way more frequently than uh, we are seeing these like beautiful ethereal moments that you would normally see of your main characters. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I guess I'll, I'll jump into the next episode. Episode 27, the next location. Amelia Subaru and Unconscious Rem, the villagers, and Otto, who is my best boy for the season. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Otto just... He wins best boy, hands down. Yeah, Otto's best boy. I just want to give him a hug. Yeah, because he's, uh, he's the best supporting side character that I think we've covered on this show yeah. so far. Because you want to you wanna fight for our boys you need to, but it, it just, he gets overshadowed. Yeah, I, I think uh, Otto is the friend that everyone needs. Because he's not just the friend that will support you and and joke with you and, you know, be, like, a comfort to you. He's also the friend that's going to call you on your bullshit, and I appreciate that. And he will deck you if you get out of line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but anyway, he is his absolute best boy um, of the show. But yeah, they all head back to the mansion to heal and recuperate um, and find out answers about Rem's condition. When they return the other villi- the other when they return the other villagers that Ram and Romal have have not returned from the sanctuary, and neither Amelia nor Subaru know where it is. So they go to the mansion where an old maid has returned, and we are introduced to Frederica, um, and she is awaiting them. Subaru talks to Beatrice, who tells him that the answers that he seeks about the gospel and more await at the sanctuary. So if he wants to know about stuff, he's got to head on over there. She's very emotionally connected to that subject, though, and you can tell that there's some more going on there. Uh-huh. Frederica tells them how to get there, but she warns them of the name of Garfield, and uh, she refuses to go with them. She gives them the directions, but she's not going to go. They hit the road and enter the Lost Forest when the blue gem, which was given to Amelia by Fred- uh, Frederica, starts to glow. It knocks Amelia unconscious and Subaru grabs it and pulls it from her neck and ends up getting transported into the woods where he follows an elf girl um, into a temple, kind of ruin-looking structure. They call it the ruins later, but it, that's not established yet. And where he's transported again to where he meets the Witch of Greed, Echidna. I don't have to fix that pronunciation. You did well. <laughs> try my best. I'm trying my best with saying things. <laughs> Crew. Shay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Although we don't have to know that name anymore no. for the rest of the season, no. so you're in luck. I'm in luck. 
the one and done thing. You know who I'm really sad didn't make an appearance this season? Who? Reinhardt. Yeah, he only did very briefly, right? He made zero appearance. Like, oh no, yeah, that's true. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, I I was disappointed because he was best boy of the first season. Yeah. Maybe we'll see him in in the second half. I should think so. Which I have some like future talk to discuss after we get through this. Okay. Because I'm curious to see if you have theories, like I have theories. Yeah, I was wondering if he, I was just trying to think back if he made an appearance in the um, flashbacks Subaru experienced, where it was like the seconds after his death, but I don't think he did that. Uh, he had like very split second flashback, I think. He, he got like a half a second of that time. Just just a half second. Just, it's like, here's a glimpse, here's a glimpse. and it's gone. There you, go. you get a peek. But we did have a return of a certain character. To actually two certain characters from the first one that we never thought we'd see again. Mm, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, episode 28, the long-awaited reunion. So Subaru and Kidna talk. She tells him of um, the other witches and asks if he wants to know more, which he doesn't. He's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> She's like, I know all of the answers <laughs> to like everything. And he's like, I'm good. <laughs> did you find that frustrating or was that just me i thought that interaction was hilarious it was really funny that is one thing that i will 100 percent give this show credit for as well the humor is very consistent throughout it's not common um but it showed there was moments of the humor in the first season and that humor has continued on despite the vast majority of it being very horrific um, there are those moments of just lighthearted bants, and we do love some lighthearted bants over here. And that is one of them, where she's like, I have all of this information, aren't you gonna ask me any questions? He's like, nah. And she's like, what do you mean you're not gonna ask me any questions? He's like, I'm good, I'm gonna go see Amelia. And she's like, everyone asks me questions, why are you not asking me questions? And he's like, I'm good. Um, she's like, people throw up when they first see me. And he's like, I'm cool. <laughs> you're drinking my bodily fluids. That... <laughs> that caught me off guard. I got me tickled too. over that one. That one was great. Oh, it's really funny. But it, one thing I can appreciate about it is there was a lot of different ways they could have went with that, but they stayed true to who Subaru was at the time. Yeah. Because it, like we talked about before, this season is truly about growth for him. But that point, that particular point where he's like, nah, I'm good. I want to go see Amelia. I was like, mm-hmm. damn. <laughs> I was like, that's... That's Subaru, without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, he's like, nah, I'm good. I got my girl back home. I'm gonna go see my girl. <laughs> anyway, so Subaru ends up waking up. He's like, nah, I don't, I don't want to know you. We cool. Like, we cool. I don't want to know you. He ends up waking up. Um, and when he wakes up, Otto is being beaten up by Garfield, who is Frederica's brother. That was my guess, and I was correct. So, yay. I am very proud of your deduction skills on that one. I know. It's not like it was obvious or anything. No. <laughs> what what gave it away? The teeth? No, it was the hair. Oh, okay. I got you. I yeah. got you. Uh... <laughs> um, anyways, Subaru has to explain who they are and when he does, he's like, oh, oops, jump the gun. Yeah. Uh, and he leads <clears throat> them further into the sanctuary. Uh, which is also known as the Witch's Graveyard. They meet Ram and Roswell, who has been badly injured. Uh, they find out that, that he actually was he was badly injured because he tried to go for the trial, but we don't know what that is yet. They are all trapped there um, as a half-breed ha- has to be the one. Uh, so they're all kind of... All the half-breeds are trapped in the sanctuary because a half-breed has to be the person to go through these series of trials, or a trial, at the time they think, but it's actually a series of trials, 
to like break down the magical wall barrier to let them all escape. And now because Amelia has entered, she is also stuck with everyone else that is is already there. So she volunteers um, and makes friends with the villagers. Could you say that she volunteers as tribute? She volunteers as tribute. <laughs> Um, yeah, Amelia volunteers as tribute and then makes friends with all the villagers. Yeah, Grumpy Lady was just like, if you want us to like you because you want to win the thing, then do you want to be the queen of wherever, then just, like, be out and proud about it. Don't, like, try and trick us. And Amelia's just like, I just want to be friends. (laughs) Solid attempt at best girl. Is she this season? No. No. Petra is best girl. I was debating him between her and Ram. Ram is just the perfect, she's the true, like, comedic genius of the show. I ship her and Garfield so hard. Yes, but also, I just, I ship her and herself the hardest. Oh yeah, she is an independent woman, but that is why I really like Garfield's relationship with her. Because he's just like, she is a capable, strong woman. Can't a guy, like, crush on a woman like that? And I'm like, Garfield, I appreciate you. Yeah, it's like, you know what? You, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, you you go. Also, he also has feelings for another person as well that we find out later. And I was like, oh, damn. Oh, damn. That's a, that's a triangle. Mm. Okay, so episode 29, Parent and Child. This episode I was not expecting at all. It threw me for a loop. So the end, the end of episode 28, where you immediately get introduced to Subaru's dad. I remember messaging you whenever I watched it. And I was like, what? the fuck yeah yeah i remember you were sending me an episode be like uh sending me an episode sending me a message and being like wait till you get to this point because you're gonna lose your shit um and i did i was very confused (laughs) it was it was such a trip it's such a trip you're watching the whole episode and it's not until the very end that it's explained and even then it's not really explained but so much growth happens at the same time where it's just like i i don't know how to feel it's like i love it yeah and i tear up because it you learn so much but you're also left with more questions yeah so um this episode we finally get some backstory on subaru because up till this point in season one the only backstory that we ever had about subaru was that he was in a convenience store and then walked across the street and got hit by a bus or whatever Uh, he got he got taken out and he was teleported and that he was a shut in neat that's it yeah that's all that's all we know this we actually we find out what happened like who he was like before everything and you figure out why he's so charismatic and seemingly self-centered yeah um this this explains who he is as a person so anyway turns out Subaru's dad is brilliant in more ways than one um his his dad is super talented but his dad is also a complete nutcase his mom is too but yeah, we're thrust into his family home in the human world, in the real world. We see the relationship dynamic between him and his dad. We um, learn about uh, who he is, the fact that he's been skipping school, the fact that he has really low self-esteem. Um, and the reason why he has really low self-esteem, Subaru and his dad end up having a, a bro talk and <laughs> on P-Day. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> And he apologizes, they hug it out, because Subaru hadn't actually gone to school for, like, three months. And up and like, and even before that, he was skipping school and, and wasn't doing well. Turns out that everyone throughout his life, since he was very, very young, had always compared him to his dad. And when he did well at stuff, they'd always say, oh, well, you know, of course you did. That's, you know, you're, you're your father's son, after all. Um, and so he never got praise of his own. It was always just like, oh, well, it's expected because of who your parentage is. 
and uh, and then when he got older and he stopped being because like naturally he was head and shoulders above other people but then other people started working for it and catching up and he didn't have to work for it so he didn't know that he needed to start working for it and that he suddenly wasn't on the same level as everybody else anymore and it took a he took a really big blow to the self-esteem for it and so he ended up trying to be exuberant and funny and push all the boundaries so that he could keep people interested in him and and watching him because that's all he'd ever known and that's the praise that he'd gotten and eventually one day when he turned behind him to see who was still with him there was nobody there because they had all moved on with their own lives and their own studies and their own hobbies and stuff and one thing i will say to you on this is keep this episode in mind because i've talked prior about how i wanted to cover a silent voice at some point Mm-hmm. You're going to see very, very extreme similarities between Subaru's mindset whenever he was younger mm-hmm. and the main character of A Silent Voice as well. Because whenever I was watching this, I thought I was reliving a flashback of A Silent Voice for a minute. Interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to compare the two then. But anyway, so the two of them end up hugging it out, him and his dad. Um, Subaru has a good cry. They talk it out. It's all good. Um, and he apologizes. Subaru's mom ends up... Uh, she's heckin' weird. I love her. She's so weird. And But yeah, they end up having a talk as well, him and uh, Subaru and his mom. And she says, you know, yeah, okay, you may be half half of your father, but you're also half of me. And so you can you can just be half as cool as your dad, and then the other half can just be you, because I'm weird. And so you can just be half weird, too. And we love moms. Moms are great. And they hang it out, too. Just kidding. Of course I am, because why the heck is he in the real world? He's not. Didn't. Wasn't a thing. Nope. Uh, when he finally walks into the classroom because he decides that he's going to go back to school and get his life on track so he can take care of his, care of his parents in their old age. He walks into the classroom and... Akina's waiting for him. End of the episode. So, out of everything we've covered this year, how would you rate Subaru's parents? Ooh, okay. His mom, I want to hang out with... What was that baseball anime we covered a while back? Big wind-up. Yeah, big wind-up. I want his mom and the moms from Big Wind-Up to form a club. I would be game. Honestly, yeah. No, I'm down for them to... Because she's so weird. And I feel like she would fit in with them and they'd have a blast. Like, I want to... I want an anime on those moms and maybe a couple other moms from different animes having book club. Honestly, Where they drink wine and they gossip. Like, that's what I want. I would... I would be game for this. We need to contact that anime <laughs> anime budget thing, the Kickstarter for anime, and be like, hey, uh, I have an idea for you. <laughs> Find a studio that can make me mom book club as an anime, and it's just them talking about the local gossip, and it's like all of the nicest, quirkiest moms from anime meet up and have weekly book club and talk about their kids. I, I would be game for every yeah. bit of this. So yeah. I would say, to date, best mom for the show. But Subaru's dad is probably maybe runner-up for best dad. Who would you pit as best dad? Byakuya. Oh, duh. Yeah, Zenku's dad is 100% best dad of everything that we've covered so far. Mm. Like, I had to go back through and look at everything that we've watched while I was sitting here thinking of what we were going to cover. Because I was like, uh, what? Because I'm just watching so much fucking anime right now, I can't remember what's what. So I had to scroll through and be like... Is is there uh 
best mom on this list that we would have talked about to this point. I will say one of my favorite dads as well is the dad from My Little Monster because his reaction to just the things that his daughter gets up to makes me laugh. Yeah, I could I could see that. He's definitely not best dad because he's not a good dad at all, but he he's an, an amusing character. So what I'm hearing is, is the dad from Bunny Girl Senpai is definitely not best dad. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> he can get yeeted out of the corner. Out of the corner. In- into the abyss. But you know who could possibly be best dad? Who? The dad from Are You Lost? Oh my god, yeah. No, he's also not a good dad. He put his daughter through so much. But he taught his daughter how to survive. Like, that came in handy. How many times did they get lost and almost die, though? Like, that's it. Yeah, he taught his daughter a lot of stuff, but he also put her in so much danger. But I feel like he did it on purpose. But honestly, though, dad from Totoro. Yeah, he's a good dad. He, he is definitely, I, don't, I think runner-up for best dad is tied at this point, but nobody could be a better dad than Byakuya that I've seen yeah. at this point. He's a great dad. Yeah. Where would we rank Soma's dad on this list? Uh, he's also not a good dad, um, but he, he is he's really nice, and he does support his son from afar, but um, yeah, I wouldn't consider him a good dad. He's like an uncle instead of a dad, you know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely feel like I could have a beer with Byakuya, without a doubt. Mm. But I would also like to have him as my dad, because, you know, I want to be that badass of a cook. Mm. Episode 30, I think? Episode 30, a step forward. Hey, called it. <laughs> yeah, Kidna reveals that, that that was in fact the first trial, and that he passed, and that it was all in his head, and there were two more trials to go. Subaru... Thanks her for allowing him the chance to talk to his parents, even if it was just inside of his head, and able uh, and to confront his past, which is the theme of the first trial was to confront your past, overcome your past, you pass, <laughs> past, pass, and tells her that um, he won't be the tells her that he won't be the one to pass the trials though. Subaru wakes up and goes to a whimpering Amelia. She uh, failed the trial and is incredibly traumatized by what she experienced during the trial, having to confront her past. Um, Ram takes care of her at the cottage, and the elf girl returns, who I did write her name down later, but I don't have it here. Ryuzu? Yes. And tells her, then, that if a half-breed leaves without the trial, their soul will stay behind, but their body will depart. So even if they fall unconscious when they go through the barrier, if a person carries their unconscious body through the barrier, their soul will stay behind, their body will go through, they will basically die. And uh, Ram believes that Amelia's gem necklace that was supposed to protect her, um, she believes that it was tampered with and that it may have been Frederica with a a conservative selection of those residing within the sanctuary who don't want the walls to be lifted because they want to keep the humans out and they want to stay in their bubble. And she believes that Frederica, due to circumstantial evidence, may be in on that. Roswell reveals that he has kind of been playing chess with everyone from the very beginning. And um, that's why that he wasn't around when he should have been for like all of the things where there was like attack on the mansion, like all this stuff was happening. Because he had planned everything. And he tells Subaru 
that uh, through Ram that if he doubts Frederica at any point to tell Beatrice to ask the question. Subaru and the villagers leave Garfield and Amelia behind and head back to the mansion because they're not half-breeds so they can come and go as they please. And Amelia is going to continue to attempt the trial by confronting her past. And the human villagers will go home. However, when Subaru finally gets to the mansion, he runs into an old friend and dies. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Episode 31, The Maiden's Gospel. Subaru wakes up after having passed out from the first trial. So his reset point is now after he took the first the first trial where and he's comforting Amelia, who's very upset because of her having failed the first trial and having to confront her past. Elsa was the one who killed him. Um, who was the belly destroyer from very early on in the first season. And not the ice queen from Frozen. Let it go, let it go. Well, she was definitely making people let it go. Their entrails. Mm, But still, letting it go, nonetheless. Can't hold your guts anymore. I'd watch it. (laughs) Honestly? (laughs) Um, same. Yeah, so he tells the group this time that he passed the trial instead of last time where he kept it a secret um, because he's not a half-breed so he shouldn't have been able to take it. He tells them this time that he was able to and that he passed and he asks Amelia if he can take them in her place so that she doesn't have to to do it. This doesn't go well because Amelia's like insulted and thinks that he doesn't trust her to be able to do it. He means well, obviously. He knows how much it traumatised her. And it's just trying to protect her. But it also doesn't go well because Garfield now doesn't trust him. And we find out why later. But um, he talks to Roswell about returning the villagers and him and Ram off to the mansion. But this time they return earlier and neither Elsa nor Frederica are there. Ram is introduced to Rem because nobody has any memories of Rem because of what happened with gluttony yes when frederica returns she has no knowledge of the teleportation or of the conservative faction elsa shows up with petra as hostage and the the three of them manage to save her but uh, they get injured ram wants to leave rem and beatrice behind but the others don't frederica transforms into her beast mode um and in the fight Everyone dies, basically. And um, when Subaru was just about to join them, he opens the door and enters Beatrice's library. So he doesn't get to reset. At this point, I I was like, oh god, no. Like, don't let this be the reset point, please. Yeah. Yeah, it, I, there's a couple of times throughout the show where you think, that's it, everyone's dead. Mm-hmm. And then... I didn't really pick up on it the first time I watched it through, but mm-hmm. the second conversation that he has with Echidna, where she talks about his return by death ability a little bit more in depth, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, fuck, that's that's not good, mm. which we'll talk about it because I think that's yeah next up. Ep- it's this episode or next episode. Yeah, I think it's it's coming up pretty quick here. Uh, episode t- 30, 32, 30, 32, not 23, 32. Friend, <laughs> Beatrice has been doing everything by the book for mother and is possibly the one that called Elsa. Subaru dies. Elsa kills him. And he wakes up after the first trial again. That evening, he goes to talk to Garfield 
and the elf girl who is Ryuzu. 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 Anyway. Ryuzu. Frederica is. Is she three quarters beast man or human? Human. Three quarters human. Three quarters quarter beast. Right. So, uh, because she's three quarters human, she is able to come and go through because it's only half breeds that can't escape. Also, she had totally abandoned her brother. I don't know why yet. We haven't found out why yet, but rude. Also, convenient plot hole. Yes, convenient plot hole. Like, very convenient plot hole. She's able to come and go as she pleased because she's three quarters human. But anybody that's half, they're trapped. So, what if Amelia is nine sixteenths elf and seven sixteenths human? Mm. Who's to say? Who knows? Nobody knows. But yeah, so she's able to come and go as she pleases. Um, he tells them he wishes to take part in the trial um, as he's past the first level. And Garfield strangles him and kidnaps him, saying he smells like the witch and he wouldn't have done anything if he didn't say that he was going to interfere with the trial. He was kept there for three days when Otto came in to save him, telling him about um, Amelia continuing to work on the trial so that she can get more people for a search party. Friend acquired! Dun-da-da-da! Otto, Friend. best boy. We love Otto. We do love Otto. But yeah, so basically what happened was uh, while Subaru was like trapped in the basement because um, Garfield had like kidnapped him, Otto was going around sneakily because Garfield was already on his case, uh, recruiting everybody. And... Then he managed to follow Garfield, find Subaru, get Subaru out, and inform him about Amelia, who was working her butt off trying to win the trial and overcome her past so that she could open the gates, um, go outside, gather a search party, get them all back, and try and find Subaru, who at this point had been missing for three days. Episode 33, The Value of Life. Otto had Ram helping him, uh, and Subaru, and like all of the villagers as well. And when Subaru ends up talking to Roswell, uh, he tells him that Beatrice is not part of the witch's cult, uh, which we're kind of questioning due to what happened previously. And if he wants to confirm her allyship to them, um, to tell her to ask the question and respond with, I am that person. Garfield intercepts and kills Otto before they can leave for the mansion to do just that. When Subaru wakes up, he gets killed by rabbits with big pointy teeth. I'd never want to see another rabbit for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, as soon as I saw it, I immediately went straight to uh, the Holy Grail. Yes, without a doubt. Yeah, that's that's where my brain went straight, right away. And I couldn't take it seriously. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to take it seriously all while they're like on this arc to defeat these rabbits. I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's ruined. It's ruined for me because I just see them as rabbits with big pointy teeth. And it's funny because at first I was like, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but then whenever it chomps off his hand and it's sitting there nibbling on his finger, I was just imagining Bugs Bunny going, eh, what's up, Doc? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know why they chose rabbits, but they did, and it just makes me laugh. I can't think, it's supposed to be this horrible, gory scene, and I was crying. It was so funny. I mean, it's traumatizing, don't get me wrong, but if you've seen Monty Python... It's just It's also funny. hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah, I was giggling to myself throughout this moment. And that's not the fault of the show by any means. That is fully just Monty Python invading my brain. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. 
But it's still traumatizing because that that would be awful. Yeah, nibbled to death. Because it wasn't just one rabbit. It yeah. was a metric shit ton of rabbits that yeah. tore him to shreds. Yeah, I still thought it was funny. <laughs> I did cry watching this season. I cried of laughter. <laughs> I'm done with you. I couldn't help it. It was so funny. Um, it was supposed to be so serious, but I just couldn't take it seriously. Uh, for no fault of its own. It's just the killer rabbits just made me giggle a lot. Maybe that's what they took inspiration from, Blue. Maybe. Or um, Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit. <laughs> I haven't seen this, but uh, now I want to. It's uh, it's the movie. There's... um. There's a movie they did. It's fairly recent compared to like Wallace and Gromit stuff. Yeah. Curse of the Were-Rabbit. <laughs> that's, that's another movie that came out of Britain. We make some weird shit sometimes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So he dies because of rabbits. And I was crying laughing. I thought it was so funny. Anyway, he wakes up once again. Hugs Amelia. Oh, no, just kidding. He goes, he gets transported to... Um, the witch's tea party. He's back at Echidna's. Um, and Subaru is able to tell her about his um, return by death and actually have a really good cry about it. So you wanted to talk about this, so I'll let you take it away um, with the conversation uh, he had with Echidna about his return by death. First off, cried again mm-hmm. at this point mm-hmm. because... It's, it's the relief. Just, it is such a relief because he's like he finally gets to tell somebody about it and that broke my heart. Because mm-hmm. I was like, that would have to be so rough. Mm-hmm. So I felt that, man. I mm-hmm. felt that. Agreed. But then it's during this conversation where Echidna tells him that the return by death only affects him. Like his restart points is only what's best for him. It gives no shits about anybody else who's around him, Rim included. Yeah. And so that was a really interesting and eye-opening point. I didn't notice it the first time through, but watching it through this time, I was like, oh shit. Oh, that's... Because up to this point, it's always been convenient where he died so he could work on saving those around him. And then after the first episode, whenever Rim gets her name and memory stolen, it's like, oh, the game has changed. And now we know why the game has changed. Well, we don't know why. Mm. Like, why Satella has done what she's done. But holy shit. Yeah. It's like, that's that's a powerful thing to learn. Yeah. Uh, one thing about um, Rem's memories and name having been taken is that they did establish that if they kill Gluttony, they would be returned. Mm-hmm. So, I, like, that's, uh, that's, I guess, what we're looking for for her recovery now but this is a there's a lot that they're gonna have to try to accomplish in 12 episodes before they get to that point yeah because now and again this is one of my theories i'll talk to you about after the fact i think i have an idea of what they're gonna do Mm -hmm. but i'm curious to actually talk it out with you Mm-hmm. Okay, so storyline question. Uh-huh. Do you think the reason why Rem was put into this comatose state was because everyone was loving her too much and they needed to reestablish Subaru and Amelia's relationship? Yes. Although, we'll talk about this after episode 37, mm-hmm. but I think that they're swaying the show a different way. 
Yeah. And I'm happy with it because of how they're doing things. Mm -hmm. But again, this all, I'll discuss it more after episode 38. Yes. Because it goes into part of my theories as to why. Yeah. Episode 34, though. Love, 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 love you is the name of it. It's not this episode, but the next one I had a really good chuckle over. Yeah. And I'm sure you know what it is, but just the title of this reminded me of it, and I had a real good chuckle. <laughs> Subaru tells Akina about the great rabbit. <laughs> and um, Usagi. Talks to, to Akina, sorry, about the great rabbit. And shows him... The witch that created the three beasts. The whale, the rabbit, and the snake. There is also a snake that we have not encountered yet. Um, Akinda tells him about the trials and uh, his resolve to come back to the tea party again. So basically he has to like really want to see her to be able to see her. Um, And he has to want her more each time to be able to come back. Um, And when he wakes up, a shadow has taken over everything. Hold up, hold up. Can we, I want to stop you right there Mm because you glossed over something very important. Uh-oh, what? We get introduced to Typhoon, mm-hmm. Minerva, and Daphne. So we yes. get introduced to three other witches. Oh, yeah. You have Typhoon, who's the witch of pride. I think so. Minerva, who's the witch of wrath. And then Daphne, who's the witch of gluttony. But mm-hmm. I love the personality of all the witches. Yeah, they're really funny. I am surprised with the way that they went with them, but I think that that reveals so much more about the show, just their personalities reveal so much more about the show and the the future storyline than anything they really say. Mm -hmm. Because it's, there's nothing with this show that you can take at face value. No, agreed. Because when you hear of Echidna, who's the Witch of Greed, you think money. And no, she doesn't give a shit about money. No. Like, she's greedy for knowledge. And then you have Minerva, the Witch of Wrath, who doesn't want to destroy things. She wants to, like, she's angry with the world and wants to put it back together. Yeah. And I'm just like, holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. And then, of course, Daphne just wants to eat everything, but that's... Where same. else could you go with gluttony? Yeah, also same. <laughs> Mood. But her reasoning behind, because you figure out the reason as to why she made the three great maw beasts. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> honestly, I get it. But also the way she spun it, the great rabbit, it can multiply infinitely. Yeah, they have to all be killed at the exact same time or else it won't die. All at yeah. once. And so I get her reasoning, because she's like, think about it. That's unlimited food. Yeah. And the whale's really big, so you could eat the whole thing. It's like, think about how many people you could feed with the whale. And then Subaru's like, but why did you make them so deadly? And she's just like, well, because it's selfish of you to think that you just get to go around eating everything and it's not going to try and eat you back. Yeah, and it's like, I like it, but also, why? Yeah, and also, like, did you have to go so hardcore with it? Like, you couldn't have just given them, like, equal chances. You had to go, like, oh, no, this beast is not going to die for 400 years because it's so invincible. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a shounen down to its very core, isn't uh-huh. it? <laughs> but, oh, I love it. Uh, I really enjoyed this so much. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was, that's a good point. I didn't put that in my notes. But yeah, episode 35, I Know Hell. 
everyone except Garfield has been trapped in the shadow. And as soon as... Um, oh yeah, the shadow from the previous episode is Envy. And she's heading for the mansion. But yeah, uh, everyone's trapped inside the mansion. They're all not necessarily dead, but they ain't good. Um, and uh, And he is soon exploded leaving Subaru leaving just Subaru behind. Subaru kind of gets absorbed by the shadow and people think creepy. <laughs> That's kind of creepy with that love love loves. Oh, so this is what got a real good chuckle out of me because mm-hmm. while Satella is suspended above him, she's literally just sitting there like sweet like swaying back and forth going Daisuke, Daisuke, Daisuke. And I was like <gasps> I I could not help myself but just laugh because the way it was animated it was just hilarious to me it's like i get what you're trying to do with this but at the same time did you have to do it in such a comedic manner yeah i don't think that would have made it better is if they would have just did a a slide whistle every time she moved back and forth honestly we need to re-edit this um whole season and just make it a comedy because of all the stupid references and things that we tie things to where it's supposed to be so serious and gory and i'm just laughing because of monty python and you're laughing because she looked like a freaking yo-yo dangling from the ceiling honestly though like if i would have thought about it because i did think about doing like one of the old instagram trailers that i did with the first re-zero mm. and doing something like that but then life got in the way but i yeah. really wanted to with this episode because i thought i could make something funny about it mm. even though this is one of the most it's the most serious the show's ever been but also just all the funny shit that we've gotten out of it yeah i think we i think we were just in giggle mode while watching this show probably but also the fact that Japanese for rabbit is Usagi. So every time they would talk about the rabbit, all I could think of was Sailor Moon. <laughs> it's just every time they said it. That's funny. Sailor power. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Another thing that I forgot to mention actually in episode 34 was that Subaru really wanted to remember what happened, the conversation they had with the kidna. And the last time that he had a conversation with the kidna, she made him forget all his memories so that she, he couldn't tell anybody about it. But this time he asked her, what can I do so I can remember this? And she said, I will take some payment for it. And the payment that she took is um, uh, he was given a white handkerchief um, as like a good luck on your journey charm thing um, tied around his wrist. And she like took the energy from that as payment. But then in episode 35, we learn out learn that um, she also kind of turned it into a, a weapon for him, in a sense. One-time use weapon. Yep. Where uh, when he is stuck in the shadow, and for all eternity, he is going to be just told that he is loved over and over and over again by by Envy. He, his The handkerchief turns into a blade, and he is able to kill himself funsies so much funsies mm. but also Zatella looks real familiar just, let me just sit and stroke my beard she, she looks real familiar yeah, for some reason yeah. i can't can't Come quite put my it. finger on it yeah she looks because there's there's a certain person that you never see them together at the same time for some convenient Odd reason. reason yeah i'm not not entirely sure about that <laughs> But yeah, so he ends up he ends up uh, getting himself off in himself. When he wakes up, he is afraid of Amelia because of everything that happened with Sotella and their bizarre, uh, common, uh, 
features. Reasons. Yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, but it turns out that actually because of him having so many rocky emotions, because of everything that he's just been through, um, it causes her to forget her fears and she doesn't end up going into the panic attack that she does in all of the previous times he's been through this cycle. And, um, and she's able to comfort him and stop him from crying. And everyone's like, why were you crying? Are you worried about her or something? Uh, because they obviously don't know that he actually took part in the trial as well. Subaru gets Ram, Ram to distract Garfield so that he can check out uh, an area where he uses Frederica's necklace, um, the one that knocked Amelia out a way ago, time ago, to open the door that leads him to Ryuzu's body, the, the OG. Um, and uh, this is where we figure out that she, the one that he knows, is a clone who's like 400-year-old clone, um, but is still a clone of the original body. And she explains that Echidna was kind of on the path to immortality and was like messing around with immortality. And Ryuzu's original body was supposed to be the shell that Echidna's soul would then go into to live a life of immortality. However, that didn't happen, obviously, but Ryuzu did become immortal in her stead, except it's not like immortal because they're not they're kind of individual entities each clone is an individual entity as, as opposed to one entity that consistently lives and uh, uh Rizzo also mentions that she listens to him now because he has some of a kidney inside of him <laughs> because of that tea that he drank because it's bodily fluids the bodily fluids uh yeah and so she now is like he's basically her master we also find out that um garfield also has some in him he's also part echidna and uh <laughs> <laughs> and because of that uh but he has but uh subaru has more echidna in him than garfield because he's had tea twice because he forgot that it was her bodily fluids and drank it twice <laughs> Um, and, uh, and so she listens to him over Garfield. But yeah, he leaves and gives, um, encouraging words to Amelia, has a bro moment with Otto, and bumps into an angry Garfield, and then eventually, uh, who eventually then agrees to let Subaru leave, um, after Subaru tells him that he knows hell, uh, which refers to the title of the episode. And then he goes to the mansion, where he meets with Beatrice. Episode 36, The Taste of Death. Beatrice wishes to die because um, she was left alone for 400 years waiting for someone based on a contract with Echidna, um, who the instructions were basically just wait for someone, they'll come through that door, you'll know them when you see them, basically. Cry count again this episode. Yeah. Because seeing this side of Beatrice, I was just like, I can't. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Elsa... And the blue-haired evil child kill everyone at the village, including Ram, uh, oh, Rem, Petra, and Frederica. Beatrice is killed by Elsa, but teleports an injured Subaru beforehand. The place he was teleported to, teleported to is the sanctuary, where he had uh, a very loving and creepy Amelia try and comfort him. <laughs> yeah. Subaru confronts Roswell about everything, and he says that he... Oh, and, and Roswell kills Ram 
and Garfield and reveals that he has a book like Beatrice, but the book that Beatrice has isn't actually a gospel from like the witch's gospel. It's a book that reveals all the truth and the future and stuff. But Beatrice's, um, in her conversation previously with Subaru, had stopped telling her the future quite a while ago. And so she was kind of just lost waiting for someone to come. Um, and so she, yeah, is was very mentally traumatized and, and and not doing well because of that. And uh, he reveals that he also has a book that is is like hers, and it's one of two, so they have both books. He is also the one that created the snow outside, which was what caused Amelia to be completely isolated from all of the villagers, um, which turned her crazy. And, but it's okay, though, because after he got beaten up by Roswell, um, the rabbits get him, and he starts over. Amelia's creepy creepy af and also this is what i was talking about earlier with because after the rabbits get him in roswell he still survives yeah so he literally like barely manages to get back to the trial graveyard and immediately she's like oh hey it's so good to see you here have lap pillow and yeah. then it shows subaru's body and how he's been absolutely i don't know how this motherfucker walked no Adrenaline's a hell of a drug, man. Oh, yeah. I thought you said a gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, a gentleman's a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm done with you. <laughs> I'm sorry, okay? It's late and I'm tired. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I, I swear I had a gentleman's a hell of a drug. Rather than adrenaline. Yeah, that makes more sense. But... Yeah, just the way they animated it. They didn't have to go so ham on that. One thing that's consistent about the show in the animation style is that they don't always show things in complete focus, uh, which Mm -hmm. is interesting for anime. Normally, anime is always focused because it doesn't have to have parts unfocused. Like, you don't have to have a foreground and a background in anime. It can all be in focus. Uh, In this show, however, they use focus as a... um, They... To actually do a lot of stuff through first person perspective as opposed to third person like you see a lot through Subaru's eyes mm-hmm. and the times that you see things through Subaru's eyes quite often they are red tinted via blood or out of focus because of um, like haziness or like the entire episode where um, he was with his parents in the real world uh, what was that called? Parent and Child episode 29 that entire episode um, there's a white border to like simulate dream it's like a white fuzzy border to simulate like a dreamlike world and then not only that but <clears throat> even the characters are somewhat out of focus because they're not heavily detailed mm. until it needs to to like really portray emotion and then they go ham on all the facial animation and it's never jarring by no. any means like everything fits the show but whenever they want to go in and just make you feel what the characters are feeling they do it extremely well mm-hmm. yeah like there's a a moment earlier on uh where petra is killed um and subaru is holding her hand um and subaru gets flung across the building he doesn't know the petra's dead yet and then he turns to his hand where he's still what he believes holding uh, petra and he turns and he sees that it's just her hand um and that was a real that was when i first noticed the use of focus for their benefit for storytelling benefit 
um, this season. I'm assuming that they used it in the first season. I just don't remember that they, them doing so because it's been a while since I watched it. But that's the first time that I think that they used it in this season and they use it again in this moment where Subaru is looking down at his own body um, that is barely hanging on to being a body. Swiss cheese. Swiss cheese, yeah. Uh, He could be the Pope because he's so holy. I was going to make a comparison to Fred, but that works. (laughs) Uh, I could have made it even worse by saying, oh, hey, Fred could use a brother. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) My brain, why? (laughs) Why? Episode 37, The Witch's Tea Party. Um, Subaru goes back into the ruins uh, for a second night to go to the next section of the trial. He basically, he wants answers, so he's going to go find a kidney again. And he knows that one way to talk to her is um, during the trials. So he goes back um, to take the next section of the trial. And when he does so, he... The second part of the trial, I'm assuming, is um, him seeing all of the following moments past all of his previous deaths. So all of the different endings from the entire first season and all the time up until this this time in the second season. He goes through every single aftermath of his death. Everyone that's grieving for him. Everyone that, uh, (coughs) like, wished him well. And you get, like, kind of a montage of it um, with some moments, obviously, taking longer than others. And you get to see him deteriorate after every moment because he kind of like experiences an end comes back then immediately gets thrust into another end so you get to see him like go through you get to see the ending he comes back dies <laughs> from the emotional trauma and then goes back into the trial again and again this all goes back to him trying to like or it goes back to character development because he's seeing how much people actually care about him mm-hmm and it was kind of hard to watch some yeah. of them, especially the first one, too, because Amelia was just like, you're a liar. You said you'd never leave and yeah. then go and kill yourself. Why? And I was like, oh, God. Oh, yeah. And another thing, uh, again, with the character development is you see that he's not seeing it the same way that we are. He's not seeing it as these people care about him. Um, and that's kind of like a, a point that is made later on is that <clears throat> he just doesn't see that people care about him his self-esteem is still so low even though he confronted his past because of everything that's happened that he just does not value his life and i suppose that makes sense because the amount of times that he's died he sees no value in his own life and they're trying to it's explained later on that this is kind of trying to show him the value of his life and that people actually give a shit about him but he's still even after watching all of this doesn't see that but then he sees rem in the ruins And she comes up to him and she tells him that she loves him and she holds him and she says that everything is going to be okay um, and that he should rest. This triggers Subaru, however, though, because the real Rem would have told him to get a grip um, and would have coveted him and then said, okay, time to get back up again. Whereas this Rem didn't. And he called her on it. And uh, it turns out that this Rem is actually Camilla, um, Witch of Lust. Echidna was behind it all. She did it to help him... Um, from crumbling during the trial. She has been helping him because she wants him to enter a contract with her. And just as he's about to, all of the other witches come up and try and stop him. They say that the payment would be too great. She wants his everything, like his future, his soul, his... She wants everything. And so that she can use him in return and he would get to use her. 
Um, so he would kind of get his perfect ending, but his perfect ending would be for him and not for every everyone else in his life. So he would do okay, but that has no guarantees on anybody else. So did you think he was going to go for it? Uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> did you? I really hoped he wouldn't because yeah. at this point... It was very clear to me that the entire second season was for his growth. Mm -hmm. So had he still been the same Subaru as he was at the very start of the season, I think he would have taken it hands down. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they didn't left the rest of the show extremely open. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely glad that he didn't. However, this was going to be in the news portion of the episode, but I left it off. The speech that Echidna gives during this, mm-hmm. that was all in one take. Wow. Like, it was all, it deserved its own news article because it was all done, like that whole spiel, every bit of it, in one take. And I was like, damn, props. Yeah, hats off to the voice actor. I could like, I couldn't have done that shit. It's hard to monologue. It is, because how, that's a lot of reading and talking to have to do all at one time. Yeah, I used to have to do monologues for auditions all the time. They're really tough. And normally, that was quite a long monologue as well. Normally monologues, like, especially for auditions, are only, like, a minute long. And that was, like, two and a half minutes of just nonstop monologuing. And I was like, holy shit. Mm. So, props. Yeah, mad props. Yeah, well done. Mm. Golf clap. But anyway. Yeah, no, I didn't know that. That's a cool fact. But yeah. Everything she did was superficial, basically, was to get him into the contract with her. Mm. Uh, And he asks her about Beatrice and who that person is. And she says she doesn't know. She was just doing it to see who she would choose to be that person. And he refuses the contract at the end of the episode. Or he was he was honestly just about to accept it. And then all the rest of the witches intervene. Yeah. Like they all just came flying in and they're like, no, don't do it. Yeah. Um, he was, like, holding his hand out to actually make the contract when they stepped in. What did you think about the fact that she was just like, I don't know who that person is? It made me angry. Because they spent the entirety of the show building up Echidna to be best girl. Yeah. Like, that's what everybody was going for. And she was, like, being ranked extremely high in everybody's best girl rankings. And then that episode happened. And it it just made me angry. Mm -hmm. Because it all goes back to, again, like, how you couldn't take any of the witches... And their seven deadly sins as a at face value. But mm. then she introduced that contract and I was like, no, like you really are the witch of greed because you're trying to be greedy and take all of Subaru's accomplishments for yourself. Yeah. So I was like, you, you're a bitch. Yeah. Well, when you're first introduced to the witches, you think they're all evil. Then mm-hmm. they slowly over time change your perspective on the witches and make you think maybe there's something more to them. Mm hmm. And even Satella, like I, after episode 38, I'd almost say Satella isn't as bad as Echidna is. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it. it's just when you're starting to get really comfortable with the idea that maybe, maybe they're not all that bad. You see a whole nother layer to them. And, but like, that's, I guess that's, that's something that's so clever with the way that they've done this story is that if you met like one of the seven deadly sins in real life, if they were evil, all the time from the get go, you wouldn't you wouldn't fuck with them. No, they've got to be deceiving, and mm-hmm. um, they're really proving 
that you don't know whether or not you should trust them or like do you like the risks of trusting them i guess because i think it's known that you shouldn't trust them but like mm-hmm. do you do you use them do you risk using them do you like you know do you make the deal with the devil do you is it worth the contract mm-hmm. and uh, then neither good nor bad they are their sin Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see the other <clears throat> sins now. I want to see the rest of them and their... Because quite a few of them are still pretty one-dimensional. And I want to see them develop as characters as well. And I want to see the multiple sides of them and how manipulative they are as well. You know what's brilliant? What? Do you know which of the seven deadly sins had the least amount of screen time? Which one? Sloth. <laughs> That's really good. Is that not brilliant? That's amusing. I enjoy that. And the only reason that that clicked for me is because I took the ReZero quiz that was on Instagram for Crunchyroll. Mm -hmm. And I got a high score because, you know, I'm just so good. (laughs) But no, that was one of the questions and I got it right. And I was like, that's brilliant. That's funny. Kudos. No, I enjoy that. I enjoy that a lot. There's a lot of tiny things like that throughout the show that I really appreciate. Mm Mm-mm. Anyway, episode 38, the sound that makes you want to cry. So Tell shows up and tells him that he needs to love himself more. <laughs> love yourself. Um, he's got some serious PTSD type shit and he tries to kill himself. But one of the witches saves him. Who saves him? Minerva. Wrath. Wrath. Wrath saves him. And he asks if there um, is any meaning to his life at all. And all of the witches have been trying to save him one way or another. And they're all explaining to him, like, dude, we got you back, kind of. But, like, also, don't trust us. But we got you back. But also, but, like, we're cool now. Well, it's they're trying to get him to realize that his life is just as important as everybody else that he's trying to save. Yeah. And, again, like, that's extremely profound because he's... Literally using his life as a sacrificial pawn to be able to save everybody else. Yeah. And he found out towards the beginning of the season like hey like Sotella doesn't give a shit about everybody else that's around you that's not why she gave you this power yeah like she did it to teach you to finally value your life because he didn't value it whenever he was in the real world and he sure as hell doesn't value it now considering he can restart yeah and even Roswald made the point of like I just killed Ram and Garfield in front of you and you don't feel grief you feel shock and anger and disappointment but you're not grieving for them yeah because you feel like you can just do it all over again if you off yourself and that's another thing that gets brought up too that I don't think you mentioned but Beatrice and Roswell are aware of every time Subaru resets yeah and so it's just adding more layers to characters where it's like everything has changed but we don't know how much it's actually changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Roswell uh, and Beatrice, I suppose. I'm not sure about Beatrice. It's not really uh, established. I, I see what you did there. What? Were you like, and Beatrice, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't even know I did that. That was intentional. That That's a very clever quirk. I like that. The... That's awesome. <laughs> oh, good. She's invented my brain. Um, <laughs> I'm going to stop doing that now, I suppose. Um... <laughs> Please, please do. Can, can that just be a running joke? Because every time you do it, I will just immediately lose it. We need to find somebody who's really short so I can cosplay as her. And then they have to do it. Yes. I suppose. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Roswell, I'm not sure about Beatrice. 
Um, but Roswell, I know for a fact, he knows about everything, but he only knows about everything from the book. Like him restarting. Yeah, Beatrice does as well, because she remembers every time that Subaru's been in the library, mm-hmm. because she remembered Subaru killing himself. Yeah, but uh, Roswell, he, like, his life ends every single time. And that's one thing that, like, Subaru, just as soon as he learned that Roswell knew about his uh, return from death, he assumed that Roswell was the same entity. And Roswell was like, nah. I die every time. I just relearn about it in my book. Like, I don't, I'm, I, this me is dying. Well, here's a question that I had because of that. Mm. Does he only die whenever Subaru resets, or does he only die if he actually dies in that timeline? Oh, curious. Because he recalls every time, and that definitely explains, like, his character's actions throughout the show. But does he only die... Or does that version of himself only die every time that he actually dies? Mm. In which case, he would have only died a couple of times. And at that point, my brain is like, I'm gonna explode. (laughs) It's like, I don't know, too many things, too many thoughts in my brain. (laughs) But yeah, he tells Kenna that he is done sacrificing himself and he can't afford the payment um, for the contract with her. So he thanks them and leaves. um, And he tells them he'll try to take him to like himself more. And he promises to save slash kill Satella, depending on his perspective, as well. Yeah, because the last thing that she says to him is, I look forward to the day that you come to finally kill me. Mm. And he's like, I'll no, save you. Or I look forward to the day uh, that I get to save you. Yeah. And I was like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just phenomenal storytelling. I was like, that's, oh, it's so good. Agreed. Agreed. But I also think that was a callback to how they talked about how his power is only meant for him to be able to save himself, and he's going to spite her and use that power to save her instead. Mm. Or maybe I'm just overthinking. I don't know. But I uh, found it really cool if that was the actual purpose behind it. Mm. He loses his ability, though, to enter the trials because Echidna took away her DNA, um, and thus he's no longer a half-breed. And so... Uh, he can't enter the third trial despite the fact that he passed the second one and Amelia has yet to pass one. Um, and so everyone is stuck in the sanctuary and these killer rabbits are about to come through and um, kill all of the villagers. So they have to lift because they can't kill the rabbits at this point because they can't kill all of them at once when there's thousands of them and they have to all get every single one of them all at once. And they can't leave the sanctuary so they're like a sitting target. These rabbits are about to come through and storm the place. Um, So they have to try and lift the barrier to be able to get everyone out so that they can then deal with the rabbits at another time or get some people to help or whatever. But nobody knows what's going on by that. But anyways, um, he can no longer enter enter the trials. He ends up meeting with Roswell and fuck dude man's fucked. Yeah, that I fucking hate Roswell. He's real fucked. He is a bastard because it is revealed that he is the one who set the assassination on Subaru and the girls at the mansion Mm -hmm. because he says he's doing it to groom Subaru to where he will literally do anything and everything it takes to make sure that Amelia takes over as the ruler Mm -hmm. of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes no matter how many resets it takes 
to ensure that you become this person. And mm-hmm. Subaru is like, fuck you. I'm going to figure out a way to do it all on my own. Because Roswell told him, he's like, I'm going to make you choose between whether you save the people here or you save the people at the manor. Yeah. And I was like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he is one nasty piece of work. One of the things that I noticed with the way that they animated this is his eyes were not straight. Um, He had one eye that was looking off in the distance and it made him so much creepier with that creepy smile on his face and the fact that his eyes were not aligned and also the fact that he acts differently whenever he has his makeup on versus whenever he takes it off yeah because he had it on at the very beginning of that meeting and then he takes it off yeah and it's immediately like he switches personalities and i was like oh shit yeah he's creepy real creepy and hella big bastard and otto is best boy that's how we end Yes, because Otto, because Subaru takes off like he's going to try to do it on his own, and Otto confronts him and decks his ass. And he's yeah. like, look, you have friends. You're not doing this on your own. Yeah. And that's how the season ends, which I thought was a really interesting spot to end it. Mm. Because it's like they give us hope at the very end. Instead of doing a typical mid-season finale thing of just total despair, because mm-hmm. you want to see how they're going to drag themselves up. But instead... They ended on a little bit of a high note, Mm -hmm. even though it's definitely not a high note. No. But it's like, here's just a little bit of hope. Just a little bit of hope, and we love Otto. Yes. More Otto, please. I'm very pleased with the amount of screen time that it's getting. Yeah. How it's getting more screen time. We love Otto. So, theories? Oh, God. Um... Shall we go with the obvious one first? Which is? Amelia Satella. Yes. And here's... the main reason why I think this. Mm-hmm. The reason she's failing the trials and the reason that we never technically see them in the same place is because she's reliving the memories of Satella during the trials. Ah. And that's what's causing her to like slowly slip back in. And that's why her abandonment from Subaru is what kind of causes that. And what really made me or what really kind of drove this home for me was in episode 36 whenever Subaru's lying there in her lap and how she's talking about how like, Subaru's always doing everything he can to save everyone else, and that makes her angry, because she only wants him to do Focused that for that. her. Mm-hmm. And, again, how she tells him she loves him, and then goes in for a kiss there there at the very end. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, that goes back to the whole Satella just constantly going, I love you, I love you, I love you, all that garbage. Yeah. But it's, for one, showing extreme envy. Mm-hmm. And that's not even, in, like, that's not even... Covering the fact that they look exactly the same Mm -hmm. and they have the same voice actress. Like, that's discounting all of that. Yeah. That's just kind of where I sit with it. Okay, so next theory. It's not necessarily a theory, but it's what they're going to do next. Because I think I have it planned out of how they can make the plot happen. And also how they can make sure that the white rabbit doesn't show up. Okay. Because it's explained that the white rabbit only shows up whenever Roswell makes it snow. Yes. So you bypass the ability of Roswell even having time to make it snow because as soon as Subaru wakes up, he leaves. He goes back to the manor and he gets everyone and he takes them all to the sanctuary. Okay. Because then everyone is saved and he even saves Beatrice because also at that point, Elsa and... Blue Hatchet. Tiny Bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't even going to have an opportunity to be there because they didn't expect them to show up so early. Yeah. Yeah, they don't come till the afternoon. So if they book it in the morning, then. Mm -hmm. So that way, everybody's in the sanctuary. They're all in one place. And he also fixes a lot of those 
holes of, you know, Beatrice's contract is finally broken because the way he gets her out of the house is he just walks in the library immediately. He's like, hey, I am that person for you. Let's go. Yeah, because he did mention at one point when uh, Echidna was trying to get a contract with him that he may look into getting a contract with Beatrice. Mm -hmm. And how he's just going to, you know, like how he's not that person, but he will be that person for... Yeah, because she said that the only reason why, the only way that she would continue living was if he could be her everything. And if he enters Mm -hmm. a contract with her, then that will effectively be. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's also explained in the first episode, the only reason that Greed and Gluttony show up is because the White Whale was slayed, so they wanted to show up and see what happened. Mm-hmm. So if if everyone comes to the sanctuary and they deal with Elsa and Blue-Haired Bitch, mm-hmm. and then Roswell still makes it snow because... That's the only reason the rabbit shows up is because the massive amount of mana that it would take just make the entire sanctuary snow. Mm -hmm. So they deal with the rabbit. And then, of course, since the rabbit is dealt with, of course, gluttony and greed show up. Then they have that final standoff to try to get Rim to wake up. Mm -hmm. Who do you think is going to kill the rabbits? It's got to be Amelia. She's the only one with the power to do so. Oh, Puck has been gone this whole season as well. I didn't even mention that once, Mm -hmm. but Puck is, is gone. And I feel like a lot of that might also be Roswell's fault as well, Mm. because he's literally doing everything he can to, like, try to drive Amelia and Subaru closer. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that, too, because, and this also goes back to another theory I had, and we kind of hinted at it earlier, I think because of the connection between Amelia and Satella and Subaru making the connection and also just Rim in general, because Lust's ability, the face of the lover or whatever, shows the person's, like, who they need to see most or who they love. And the fact that it shows Rim and not Amelia to be the person that he saw, I think is driving him to the point to where I think that it's going to be Rim and Subaru together. Mm-hmm. Well, he did say in one of the very early episodes um, when Rem was unconscious and they were going, I think it was the first episode, uh, and they were going back to the manor, he was saying that uh, he's he he's sorry that he's selfish to Amelia because he cares about them equally. Mm-hmm. And he even told Satella that the number one and number two spots in his heart were taken. Yeah. So there was no room for her. Yeah. And so... And I feel like if Amelia is Satella, then he's going to feel a level of betrayal, even if Amelia is currently unaware of it. Mm-hmm. But it definitely seems like that's where it's leaning. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we're definitely getting just a lot of... Garfield and him would make good brother-in-laws. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, any other theories? No more theories, and I don't even think you have to ask me what I rate this season either. Is it a 10 out of 10 for you there, bud? Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure you understand why. I absolutely understand why. I really did enjoy it. I think it was really fun. Um, There were, well, again, I say fun. <laughs> uh, there were a few moments in here that I just found, I don't know, I some moments that were just a little slow for me, but I also am fully aware that uh, the pace of my brain is not the pace of everybody else's brain. And I have to have a lot of stuff shoved at me Mm -hmm. all at once because that's how my brain works. I like 
the stimulation of that. Um, and I do find that there was a lot of times where the dialogue was very interesting, but it was so much of the episode that was just talking. And a lot of telling you how it is as opposed to showing you how it is, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, which is personally not my favorite way to go about things just because it doesn't it give me the same level of stimulation in my brain give me the happy juice that i like um that other things do but i still absolutely really enjoyed it i'm gonna give it a solid solid eight out of ten but i preferred the first season well i am going to be the bearer of bad news Mm -hmm. and i'm going to disappoint you Mm -hmm. because our next topic and our last topic of the month has a lot of talking Mm. now granted our next topic of the promised neverland has a lot of talking for good reason because it's not a like super fantasy power world like it's very talky for a reason but also it requires it because Mm -hmm. it even though there's a lot of talking it draws you in Mm -hmm. like there's so much to love about the promised neverland so i'm very excited to discuss that yeah i'm excited as well i i yeah i just personally feel like there was so much explaining that happened that mm-hmm. it, which it obviously needed because everything has happened, uh, but because of the amount of explanation, it felt sometimes like, yeah, they were telling the audience what was happening as opposed to showing the audience what was happening. You know what I mean? And I I can get that to an extent mm-hmm. because with it being seasonal like it is, I guarantee you there are some people who watched this that had not seen it before. Mm-hmm. So doing that in the first episode was definitely a really good recap mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. And then, of course, whenever you have the first season, like, introducing new characters and recapping everything that happened, the second episode you kind of can't do a lot with, because then you need to start building for what's next. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. But I feel like with as much as they introduced they did throughout a good job the of it. entirety of the show... Like, they couldn't have spread anything out any more than what they did. No, I agree. There's so much information that they had to get out. I just... I don't know. I don't know how I would have changed it. <laughs> I don't know if I would have broken stuff up more. Yeah, I feel like there was... the This season was a lot more... This part of this season was a lot more crammed than the first season was. And, mm-hmm. um... Yeah, I wouldn't consider this bingeable. I, this is not one of those ones that I would recommend that you binge. I'd recommend that you take... Uh, a little while to watch it just so you can process all of the information that happens throughout it if you watch it all in one day you will find yourself in a massive brain fog so um yeah i recommend that you take a little if you haven't seen it i don't know why if you have if you haven't seen it why did you listen to all of the spoilers right because we we told you spoiler chicken hats were on they were on a while ago but it's just i don't know I'm curious if I'm still going to be at a 10 by the time the season's over with. Yeah, I want to know if, if uh, I'm curious about whether or not I'm going to increase the, the rating or decrease it. And I'm curious about whether or not you're going to decrease it or keep it the same. Because it's just for me, it hit on everything. It kept me engaged the entire time. And I watched it week to week. And I'm, I watched it through, obviously, a second time in two days. Mm-hmm. But I'm also willing to watch it through a third time dubbed, because why not? I really enjoy the dub actors. There's not a lot of Puck, who was the only actor choice that I didn't enjoy. Yeah. So um, the music definitely hit on all cylinders. The background music especially just was done to a T. The only complaint 
not enough OP. <laughs> not enough OP. Like, I love that OP so much. Yeah, I'm curious about whether or not they're going to change the OP or if they're going to reuse this one because we barely got it this this half. So they could comfortably keep using it, um, even though I know that it is kind of standard to change it halfway through a two-core season. They'd better keep it the same mm. because, oh, it's so good. Also, and this goes back to what we talked about in the first one, or I think what we talked about in the first one. I can't remember. I know I've talked about it with people in general. But how the songs and the names that they choose just suit the show mm. to a T. Like the name of the OP is Realize. And there's a lot of realizing in the show. Mm. And a lot of growth. So I get it. And also it humors me how the ED for the second core, the first season, was called Stay Alive. Whenever that was when he was doing most of his dying. Mm-hmm. Although could have used that a lot more in this one. You know what I would have done with the song title hmm. Realize? I would have done what? it R-E dot dot A lies. Did you just say dot dot whenever you could have just said colon? <laughs> I did. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's just a stupid habit that I have. <laughs> it's, I don't know why I do it, okay? <laughs> Oh my god, that's amazing. You know what's always bugged me and what used to get me in trouble a lot when I was in middle school and I was fresh off the boat? What? Period. And full stop. Wait, what? A period is called a full stop in England. Hard no. Yeah. Because it's a full stop as opposed to a comma. But. I don't know. I don't know. It's just what it's called. Oh, and you know, um, I I don't know if you know this one, but it, it tickles me and also got me in a lot of trouble consistently through school. You can't ask someone to pass you a rubber in Canada. <laughs> you can't do that here either. Yeah, no, you can't in North America. Um, that's an eraser in the UK. Yeah. I mean, that I led, get it. That led to some awkward conversations. Oh, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Because uh, I just meant an eraser. But, you know, that's that's not what I was asking for. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're like 11. I was 11 when I emigrated. I was 11 years old. I was like, hey, can you pass me a rubber? No, nope, cannot say that. That's one of the worst times to be asking that. Uh-huh. Could you imagine if you did that in high school and then you just get showered in condoms? <laughs> like everybody just starts pulling them just, out. Just yeet. yeet. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, I did that. I, I asked for a rubber several times in high school and usually just got very bizarre looks before it registered. And I went, uh, no, I mean an eraser. And they just went, ah, oh, okay, the English kid. So the health department in Copper Basin, which is where my aunt coached basketball and where I went to middle school mm-hmm. in seventh grade. If you go to the health department there and you ask for condoms because they will give them to you for free, they give you a brown paper bag full of them i i don't know why that brought that memory back to my brain but we went up there as a joke because we wanted to cover one of our baseball coaches jeep with okay and so one of our buddies went up there and asked and whatever so you came back with like a sack full they were probably like two or three hundred in this bag nice i don't understand why it it baffles me to this day as to why you go up there and it's like, yeah, they give them out for free. Sure. But why so many? Uh, it breaks my brain. 
Yeah. Anyway, that was a sidetrack story to end off this that podcast was, that, that, that was a very sidetrack story. Next week, The Promised Neverland. Continuation of Horror Month. Would you consider ReZero Horror? I wouldn't. I consider it a psychological thriller. Agreed. Which some people would classify as horror, even though- It's definitely gore. The, yeah, the only thing that classifies it as horror is the amount of gore yeah. that's in it. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a psychological thriller. I guess you could classify it as the as a horror, but uh, it's not meant to scare you as a viewer. It's meant to make you feel empathetic. Empathetic, and I feel like it's shock horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like you don't watch it to get scared. No, but I also felt like it was more topical to do that just right now more Agreed. than anything. Well, it definitely fits the Halloween theme. It's definitely oh yeah, definitely. It's definitely gross and gory and spooky and psychologically damaging. Also, I feel like cosplaying Subaru and Rim would be extremely easy for people to do. Yeah. Because you can literally get made outfits anywhere. Subaru is literally a tracksuit. Yeah. Not hard. Nope. So, fits Halloween. But... Promise Neverland, next week. Yeah. So, next week, Promise Neverland. I'm excited. Because it was one of my standout animes for 2019. Mm-hmm. It's ability to animate horror is i think it's unmatched in anything i've ever seen in anime interesting like you think the way that they do facial animations in this i think you're going to be hooked after the first episode because the way that it ends it just immediately grabs you and does not let go till the end of the show and i am so excited for january for season two it's january is super exciting for all the titles that it has coming back. Yeah, I'm excited I'm excited for January, actually. I'm really excited for January. I am as well. So, plugs? Plugs! You can find the absolutely lovely Blue Lavender on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Blue Lavender. She streams almost every day, except not some days. <laughs> except Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday. I've started taking Thursdays off so I can focus on the podcast um and yeah i've taken this past week off for um uh family stuff but i will be back again on monday which is the day after this episode comes out so there you go i'll be back to normal yes you can also find her on instagram and twitter at blue lavender stm and at blue lavender on tiktok yeah yeah i have been posting all of my art stuff on tiktok i don't do stupid dances I don't do good dances either. I can't dance. Um, I don't dance. Can can we do the Chica dance the, and upload that on TikTok? I, 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 cannot, I cannot dance. I cannot. I... But have you seen the Chica dance? You just point and finger gun I, I, and move your arms. I have no rhythm in my body. Neither do I. <laughs> Should we just do it completely off tempo? I'm game. Um, no, I, uh, I think I've only shown my face once on TikTok. It's mainly my art. The vast majority of, of my TikTok, well, is the entirety of my TikTok is my artwork. But anyways, that's enough about me. If you like that dude over there, the Brad, the Braddle Doodle Dandy, um, you can find him. Sometimes he streams. Uh, he is thinking about streaming a lot more in November. So if you uh, like his voice, like his face, want to hang out with him some more, you can head on over to his Twitch channel at broadcastergaming.com. I was about to say .co.uk. Um, that's how many years have I been out of the country? Twitch.tv. Or .ca for Canada, because why not? Yeah, or .ca or .jp or uh, .net. 
Uh, I don't know. Um, there's lots of dots. <laughs> dot org. Dot org. Um, you can find him on Twitch um, at Brad Carter Gaming. You can also find him on Instagram at Brad Carter Gaming. Uh, he does have a TikTok, but he doesn't post anything. Uh, uh, are you Brad Carter Gaming on TikTok too? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I literally just have it so you can send me stupid videos. I That's do. the only reason I, I have TikTok. I send the stupid videos. Well, I haven't for a while, so I'll have to go back on and find some more stupid videos to send you. I'm disappointed because I literally will get on to check it and occasionally like your art videos whenever I think about it. Yeah, I will send you some more stupid videos then. Yes. Brad also runs the Instagram and Twitter of our podcast, which is BNB Anime on both, actually on like any social media platform that you can think of, it's, it's B&B Anime, except for TikTok. We don't have a an anime TikTok. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we have post updates there about when the episodes are coming out. Also, uh, lots of memes, things like that, fun stuff on the socials. So if you enjoy social media and uh, you want to give us a follow, hop on over there at B&B Anime on everything. We also have a website. Our website's pretty dang cool. Uh, it's got pictures of us, some uh, pictures of our artwork, some information on some projects that we're working on behind the scenes and fun things that we do in our daily lives. Uh, it's also got all of our archives of all of our previous episodes. So if you have missed an episode, haven't been listening from the beginning, or have a particular anime that you want to see if we have covered, you can search that all on our website and on our YouTube channel as well. We have a YouTube channel at BME Anime. It's got all of our previous episodes with some fancy old thumbnails on there. And uh, you can also check there for all of our old episodes and see if there's something that we've covered. If you want us to cover something in particular in the future and you have a request or you have an idea of a month for us to theme, um, let us know in the comments on any of our YouTube videos or, um, or on our latest YouTube video or on the social media. Hit us up in those DMs. We always love to hear from you guys and uh, we'd love to get your input. If you disagree with any of the opinions that we have given you today on our uh, in, in today's podcast or you just feel like sharing your own opinion, your own voice, your own thoughts, what you think is going to happen, predictions for the rest of the season, uh, please absolutely let us know again either in those comments on the YouTube video or hit us up on those social medias. We want to hear from you guys. We love hearing from you guys. And yeah, we want to we want to know what you think. That wraps everything up? I think that wraps about everything up there, my dude. So thank you all so much for listening. Blue and I greatly appreciate it. Next week, Spooky Month rolls on with the Promised Neverland. But until then, we'll catch y'all next time. Bye-bye! Bye!